Peace to the planet Earth. Disa Banjoko, live in the building. Listen, um, I'm really excited because this is the first episode of the Black History Month series. All this month, we're going to be covering black history as it relates to Bay Area hip hop. <laughs> Isn't that a dope idea? Of course. Original thought, original content. That's all I'm ever going to bring you, man. Don't trip. Just listen to what I'm talking about. But then things got crazy, quick. Okay, um, Kobe, man, I'm, I'm. Look, I'm not even a big hoop fan. I don't even care about basketball. Like I like it. Like if y'all playing hoops, you know what I mean, pass it to the OG, bro. You know what I'm saying? I, I, uh, uh, what's up? Who wants some? I'm good like that. I'm not that good. I'm actually good at defending. I can't score for my life, but I can stop people from scoring. The OG used to be. Nicknamed Tupperware, Young Tup, because I would lock that ass down. But what I'm saying is, swatting people all day. What I'm saying, though, is that I don't care about basketball, and I don't really even, I can't even say that I know that much about Kobe, other than that he's a G, you know what I'm saying? Um, But his passing has really hit me, and, you know, obviously it's hit a lot of people, and it's not even really dependent on whether or not that, that, that they were fans, but that was a horrible way to go. That was a horrible way to go. And he was so young, daughter so young, all the other family and friends that were on there. You know, this was a situation that was that was that was absolutely too soon, you know. And um it's been hard on the country, man. It's hard on me. Every day you look the hashtag girl dad, you know? How can I th- not think of my daughters every time, you know? And then I'm saying, okay, well, if my daughter was gonna be in a crashing helicopter, would I not want to be right next to her? Absolutely, dude. Like, I'm almost crying saying it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's horrible, man. And so, we've also got this crazy ass coronavirus, right? I don't think China's giving us real numbers, man. I think all these new outbreak numbers are lies. I think that they're letting slowly out what the real numbers are by just adding fools on every week, every day, really. I think this thing is a problem. I don't think anybody has a handle on it. I think China's lying. And I also think, because I told you I wasn't going to stop talking about it, I think that the Chinese Muslims who are getting killed on concentration camps right now as we speak, I bet you they all got it. I bet you by the time this whole thing is done, we're going to get in there. And they're all going to be dead from it by design. Design on part of the Chinese government and design on the part of countries like America that don't press them to show what's happening and free those people. And we're all complicit in it. We're all complicit in it. So now I get up one day... uh, I look in the mirror, I can see my face ain't looking right. It's a long story. Here's the short version. I got MRSA staff again, impetigo again in my face for a week. Man, 
I can't sleep. My face is on fire. Every day, my face is on fire. And I'm not kidding. It's not a joke. My face burns. I'm on <laughs> clindamycin. I have another ointment. It's like almost working, but not really. I can't sleep, man. I am a zombie. I'm no good. And that's why this intro is not even going to be a regular intro because I can't make one because my face is on fire right now. And you're probably saying, oh, well, why don't you just go to the hospital, bro? Why don't you? I don't have health insurance through my job for the first time in like ever. I don't have health insurance through my job. So I can't afford it, man. There's stuff. I got, I got to get tests for stuff I can't pay for. You know what I'm saying? And, and America shouldn't be like this, dude. America should not be like this. I just saw this thing that said that the Bay Area has the highest gap between wealth and, 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 and poverty than, than any other part of the state, man. You know? So I'm trying to get rid of the impetigo. It's 90% gone, but not gone. Now I'm running out of stuff. I got to call and order some more meds that I can barely pay for, right? And you're like, oh, okay, so do I buy the stuff that's going to keep my face not being on fire or food? That's what happens in real life. Um, and I'm just, man, like, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's a horrible way to start Black History Month. But... This is Bishop Chronicles, and this is what's happening at a bishop, so whatever. Um, heartbeat props real quick. First up, my homegirl Marie from way back. Been knowing her since I was four years old. She's been uh, <laughs> making me laugh and keeping me in good spirits and keeping me informed on different stuff. And I just, Marie, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for being my friend for this long. Amazing, right? Um, my boy Wes, bruh. Wes came through with the painkillers when I couldn't afford none. Know what I mean? Wes, but if you ever need somebody clapped, holler. I'm just kidding, federalis. I would never clap anyone for my friend Wes, who's helped me immensely, especially in this time. It was a joke. And why would I say it on radio? Anyway. Um, then I want to thank the CVS Minute Clinic lady who saw me. Because she didn't hesitate to just, like, she knew that I knew what I had. I was like, yo, I got MRSA and Epitigo right now. And she was like, let me see. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, so if y'all ain't never been to a CVS Minute Clinic, basically they'll hook you up, but it costs money. You know. But I got what I needed. I got the info I needed. I got the medicine I needed quick. But again, man, I'm on no sleep for like a week, man. And I already don't sleep. You already know I don't sleep. Okay? So I have a problem that's preventing me from sleeping. Not being able to sleep is what made it so I got sick again. This is the second time I've had MRSA staff, MRSA, in six months. Two times in five months. Most people get it, you know, you'll get it once, homie, and it just kills you. Okay? But... So then the affliction keeps me up because I can't sleep. Right? Which makes my problem that I believe is the initial root of this even worse. And so then I'm on this cycle of just like not healing. 
right? Not healing because my body is just like, my face hurts so much (laughs) that like I only sleep when it feels like it's not fully on fire. I can't sleep otherwise. I'm just up. So look. Again, this isn't the intro that I had planned. This isn't the 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 begin. This isn't the beginning of the year that I planned. Damn it! All right, what the hell is going on in the planet? Anyway, here's what I'm saying, bro. Listen to me. Listen to me. And I'm talking to all of you. I know it's Black History Month, but I'm talking to all of you. Like America is in a real horrible place, economically, culturally, socially. It's really bad, okay? And I hope it doesn't get worse, right? So what can we do, right? The least we can do is inform ourselves of the other. The other being anybody that's not you. Anybody that doesn't eat like you, pray like you, have your political affiliation, whatever, okay? What I'm asking you to do for Black History Month is go get a book written by a black person. Go get a book. I could tell you to get my book. I hope you do. Bobby Bruce in the Bronx, available on Amazon. Paperback and Kindle. However, what black people have achieved and done and continue to do with so little recognition It just won't stop because we are that kind of people. I need you to not just be like, I think everyone's human. Fine. I like all people. Great. I need you to inform yourself about black people for the sake of yourself. Not for me, but because this is real history from real people that have been abused, ignored, kidnapped, Disregarded spiritually, manipulated physically, culturally, you understand, for a long time, longer than you understand. And I don't even want you to read about slavery. Do me a favor, unless you're really into like reading about slavery, which is fine. I would like you to try to find something about African people that predates slavery in America. We forget about Imhotep, the builder of the first step pyramid. We forget about Patahotep, the oldest book in the world. If you get it, get the one on Blackfoot Press. It's got a yellow and black cover. Only get that one. It is the best translation. The oldest complete book in the world comes out of Egypt, written by a man named Patahotep. All right? Look into Stolen Legacy by George G.M. James. All right? About the Egyptian roots of Greek philosophy. And y'all know I love Stoics. And, you you know, if you listen to the hip hop is a weapon thing with Greg Watkins, you already know how I feel. But this is what we need to be looking at. Because if we just look at slavery, if we just look at civil rights, if we just look at Jim Crow, if we just look, right, at books about the prison industrial complex, all of which matter. Okay, I'm not talking about whether it matters. What I'm saying is that we need to give ourselves enough room to see black greatness in its own state, in its own ecosystem before white supremacy, before white people get to the shores of West Africa, before the Arabs start invading Africa a thousand years before the Europeans. So the so the African is so exhausted from war 
that he can't even defend the continent. Nobody wants to have that conversation, especially Muslims. I'm trying to help you understand that African greatness is not just a real thing, but it's a beautifully enriching, fantastic thing. I would love for you to read about African people before white and Arab enslavement. That's what I'm that's what that's what I hope you do. This episode is not going to be the intro that I wanted because I wanted to talk to you about Mac Dre, one of the greatest rappers to ever come from the Bay Area. I met him once when his first single came out. I met him at Bobby G's record store and he gave me two copies of his single. He was hilarious, he was funny, and he went on to be fantastically amazing. As some of you know, he was murdered and um, the Bay has never been the same. Also, my brother for real, the Jacka, Shahid Akbar, you know what I mean? Rest in peace. Man, like, that was my brother on so many levels, man. You know, as, I, as, as you get this, it's the anniversary of when he was actually killed. And, you know, I was talking to my boy Vince and, you know, I was supposed to call him that day uh, to get a hold of him about some stuff that my friend Vince said, you know, only the jacket can help get this done. It dealt with street unity. And when I got home from work, he was dead. And my my birthday is a few days after. And I, I, I you know, you have that thing they call it like survivor's guilt. I didn't have survivor's guilt. I just had just, it just felt dark. And every birthday now I think of him. I think of him. And um, we were legit cool. Um, the last time I saw him alive, we went to Rumi Bookstore and uh, he bought some things, one of which was Purification of the Heart, which was an, a book written by an African Muslim about the spiritual diseases of the heart. It was translated by Hamza Yusuf. You should look into that. That's a beautiful book. Um, doesn't even matter what religion you are. That's a great book to have about philosophy and like kind of getting through uh, cleaning your own heart of its own diseases, you know, really good stuff. Uh, in any case, he made a song called Purification of the Heart based off of that book, which based off of me and him, him's visit to Rumi. Shout out to Fry Dune at Rumi Bookstore. Go to Rumi. Get whatever, man. Hella books. You know what I'm saying? Perfume, man. Sick. Anyway, um, you can tell the vibe on this is different, man. Okay. So my pledge is this. I'm going to keep healing. I'm going to get myself right. I will talk to you next week with another sick episode. And, um, man, we got to do better with peace on the planet. We got to do better with how we treat each other. We got to do better. Okay. This 2020 is starting out way too crazy. And rather than falling victim to the panic, rather than giving up and going for self, we have to keep our own humanity in sight so that we can see other people's humanity. It is necessary. It is necessary like right now. Like you cannot play with that. Don't lose yourself in the alcohol right now. Don't lose yourself in the weed right now. I don't care if it's legal. Don't lose yourself in the weed. Don't lose yourself 
in bizarre, addictive behaviors just because the times are hard, man. Go within, okay? Go within. Get into your cultural practice, your spiritual practice, your meditation, your yoga, your reading, okay? But we can't let these times fall victim to the mayhem and we can't let these times fall fall prey to the political, social, and religious predators that are everywhere. We have to stay together. We have to understand that humanity is one. We have to understand that right now, you know, with all of these things, these video cameras, these cameras in our phones, like what you're doing will be remembered. So do something. You are the ancestor of a people that are not here yet. And they need to be proud of you. They need to be proud of us. We need to have taken this moment and done something meaningful because you're an ancestor right now. Then how should they honor you? If you haven't stood up, how should they maintain a tradition you haven't put into practice? The time is now. Enjoy this interview with Darren Doja, producer of music, of film. He, 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 he made music with Mac Dre and he made music with the Jack. And he's just an amazing dude. Fantastic interview. This is fun. You're going to learn a lot about the Bay Area. You're going to learn a lot about beat making. You're going to learn about people's different creative processes. Okay. Shout out to Mac Dre. Rest in peace, King Jack forever, bro. I I miss you. I miss you, Jack, bro. Bishop Chronicles. Farside TV. Right now. Peace of the planet. You know what it is, man. You know what I'm saying? The Bishop of Hip Hop boy, we out here doing it. And I always tell you, man, I know you heard the architect one. Then you just heard Half Gracie, people getting slapped up and dragged around. Cause you know, that's what we do. We we drag them around on these podcasts. So now I gotta bring it back to the hip hop side of the coin and um Man, uh, make those chess moves. Got to make those chess moves, right? Yeah, yeah. So I got my man Darren Dozier. You see that right there? You know what I'm saying? The board has many pieces. That's many many pieces, boy. They got many, many purposes. You know what I'm saying? Playing chess, you got your pawns, you got your knights, you got your rooks and bishops. Each one has its own dynamic and own strengths and weaknesses, and you have to utilize all of them if you plan to ultimately checkmate. So that's what that's that's what I believe my man's was alluding to. Yep, that's exactly where I was headed. Absolutely. That's Darren Dozier. He the guest. If you ain't figured it out, we. Vibing hard. We was vibing hard before we even started recording. So Absolutely. you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So we had to welcome to catch up. Man. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so so welcome to Bishop Chronicles. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it, man. So you know, um, I met him through my trail homie over at Cage Against the Machine. You know what I'm saying through Brett. Um, and it's crazy because when you were tearing it up in production. I had started taking a step back because I was doing fatherhood stuff and I was starting Hip Hop Chess Federation. I was just, I was in my own world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so you were killing the game when I had stepped back. So I want you to understand, first of all, listeners, uh, massive film production activity, massive 
hip hop production activity. And this particular episode, the reason he's on is because we're remembering a mutual friend of both of ours named the Jacker. You know what I'm saying? Rest in peace forever. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, Shahid Akbar forever. Inshallah, for real, we're never going to stop. So, my point is, we good out here. You know what I'm saying? So, but what I'm saying is, like, we're going to remember Jacker for sure. But what I want you to understand is, like, for those of you that are fans of the Jacker around the world, like, Darren was very close to him. Darren worked with him. Darren watched him evolve, you know, early on into, you know, <clears throat> when he was when he was uh, murdered. And so uh, I, got, I had to get him on the show. But I want I want to sit and talk with you, Darren, about your early days of hip hop here in the Bay. What do you remember and how did that lead to your uh, life in production, man? Oh gosh! I mean, we just we were we were touching on when you explained to me your history in this game. You know, when you when you were with the late great Easy E, and uh, when you built that initial contact, I was about seven years old, listening to my first rap music in the in the playground of my own. Right. You know, and so my first earliest memory of listening to music that I said I want to make that that mm-hmm. was definitely Easy E. Easy does it, and then probably somewhere around there. This is all based on my big brother. Shout out to Dan, man. My big brother was six years older than me. So when you got a brother that's six years older than you and you- Bringing you all the game. First of all, just for the record, man, I'm standing down for that B-Town crown. I'm out of Berkeley, California. B-Town. I've lived in Brooklyn, New York. I've lived in Waikiki. I've lived in Fort Worth, Texas. I've lived in Oakland, California. I've lived on many different you know surfaces, many different soils. However, Berkeley, California is the place that I've returned to several, like I think about a half dozen times to live. So mm. I call the B-Town my home. It's the only town I've ever went back to all those other places I, I just said I went there lived there left and never returned so Berkeley is my home I'm from the B-Town just to be just give you some, some so y'all really there. know and I'm saying and, case there's questions during my younger days running around Berkeley in the 80s and 90s as you know our mutual friend will attest to that's where I know I'm from uh, <laughs> it, it was a hell of a time man it was a hell it was a hell of a community culture um the, like the word diverse or the word you know it multicultural just melted together melting pot i mean I'm it does Berkeley. it's understatements I've man i've seen new york i've seen frisco um berkeley may very well be i believe to be probably the most melted together spot of the whole of the whole planet like my my my, my childhood photographs in school there's no dominant anybody like i knew i knew cats from the middle east i had partners that was mexican i had friends that were def- absolutely african-american but at the same time there was no dominant like this is a black school. This is a white school. Like Berkeley was really about. And it was built it was to be that way. What? Yeah, it was like we came up in this era where it was, you were you were woke before woke was woke. So it was like that but that's what said, made Berkeley Berkeley, exactly. man. And it was a lot a lot of like community feeling, a lot of DIY feeling. Yeah, a lot of like um, the punk rock thing is going on during this time as well. So it's like there was a lot of independent spirit that I didn't even know as a young person. That's what that was being built inside me. So when I heard Easy E, it was the first time I heard a guy where I was like, hey, that sounds like my friend. Like that sounds like my partner down at the school when we play basketball. That's how he talks, and so that's how I mm-hmm. want to. Like, so I was like, I want to make that because before that, I had heard maybe um, like Run DMC, Beastie Boys. Right, right. I had heard Two Live Crew. I had heard uh, my brother was listening to Two Live Crew. Too Short was definitely out, but I was a little too young to understand what that was really. Of course, I, that, that that's was a fair bad language. Yeah. But it's easy, good that you didn't know. Like, yeah, <laughs> man, it's thinking, good that you didn't yeah, know. <laughs> so a lot of that stuff you, you come back to later, and it doesn't stand the test of time like it used to. But I love, I love, 
all the all the trendsetters and all these guys that were groundbreaking from the Bay. Mm-hmm. Because what I would later understand is that we actually were like the birthplace of the independent rap hustle. We were pioneering the idea yeah. of selling records out of your trunk and ownership. As, mm-hmm. as it's being preached now by, by various hits. Entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurialism is definitely alive and well in the Bay. As and it's it. always been because of the Panthers, man. People yeah. don't realize the reason why Bay Area people are so independent is because the Black Panthers told the whole Bay, do it yourself. Absolutely. So we did. And a center for black empowerment, black thought, yep. black consciousness. You have yep. a, lot, a lot of things that transpired in the 60s and 70s to make the 80s and 90s so special. Man, so and real. Was, I'm really grateful to just have been from that community. And so that being said, around, I want to say, 96, 97, I had made my first beats. I was starting to make you know, friends and record at different places. This is still before the digital era and the home studio explosion. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the, with the beginnings of those things. I was there at the cusp of that. Mm-hmm. But what I did have was... Um, how do I say this? Uh, well, no, someone will say it like this. I had a contact uh, that was a, a a a public musician. He played drums in the, and now he plays in San Francisco. Still, you still see him. His name's Larry. So he was a drummer, and he played there. He played at the Fountain um, over in, in at the college. Okay, mm. and uh, he he actually had history of playing with Parliament Funkadelic and all this wow. kind of stuff. So at the time when I had made my very first raps and my very first recordings, Larry said, "Oh, you rap." I got a show tonight. Why don't you come to the show? And it was at the Bison Brewery, and that's on Telegraph. It's nice, it's gone now, but it's like it was across the street from uh, the Seven Eleven on Telegraph by the Wash House. That little yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I went my man it. said the Bison yeah. Brewery. So you they, taking it back? Show. So I performed. I got a I got a photo of this. It was and it's it's the greatest performance of my life. Of course, I, I have performed because he had his partners. That once again talking about that independent spirit of the Bay, man. Funk. Parliament Funkadelic and Sly and the Family mm, Stone. So that slap was built you in. If really you want to go deep history, we'll spend six hours in here, but it's like <laughs> the, the the idea of having 70 motherfuckers in a studio yes. and hey, let him play bass. Let him learn something. Hey, do you rap? Well, you need to learn to rap. Like, yep, boom. Give him Bootsy Collins, give him a record deal. That yep. kind of thing. Like, so... So these Parliament cats, so point being is Larry had the guitar player from Parliament, which mm. there's been 50 or whatever, right, right. a bass player from Parliament. So I was playing live with these old school veterans, not playing. Right, right. You was performing, was performing yeah. behind me. And it was like, wow, this sounds amazing. This now is fresh. To, right. to this day, I've never performed again. I mean, I only performed probably five times. Right, 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 I decided right. to stick with production. But um, it was this idea of like, man, we could do this entirely by ourselves. Now, now it's 97, 98, and I'm backstage at this show, and the producer, the producer of Parliament Funkadelic tells me, so what do you want to do, young man? And I, this is one of these cats, one of these young, black, empowered, knowledgeable, having cats. It's like, so what do you want to do? And I said, just like Master P in 98, I said, I want to own an independent record company. And he said, okay, so here's what you need to do. There's a bookstore in Berkeley. It's called Cody's Books. Cody's Books. Listen, we got to pause the tape right there. Let me tell you, if you if you want to understand the revolutionary minds of Berkeley and Oakland, and if you want to understand the hip-hop minds, because across the street from Cody's was Amoeba. Mm-hmm. You understand? Exactly. And up the street from that was Telegraph, mm-hmm. right? Oh, it's all on Telegraph. It's right. Yeah, yeah tell, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, I was Durant, Durant. Durant. It was Durant. Durant. That's what I was thinking. used to be. Right. Exactly. You understand? The original birthplace. The original. Was, yeah. Right? And so, like, you got to understand that, like, Cody's and Moe's Legendary was... stores. Yeah. Cody's and Moe's had the Moe's, books wow. that you needed, man. Yeah, and if you didn't have money for books at Cody's, you went to Moe's. Yeah, That's Moe's what you did. Yeah, exactly. Books. You feel me? So, That's Berkeley right So there. And, and, and you know, you had punk rock cats. You mm-hmm. had you had hip-hop cats. You had homeless cats. You had all kinds of people. But, like, 
when he pointed him to Cody's, that's a crucial moment. Crucial moment. Not like he, I mean, he already knew that Cody's existed because he was already around it. But that guidance. I walked past that bookstore 10,000 times and never walked in the front door. And that's the point. And when I walked in the front door, and and I'll never forget what he told me to buy. He said, you want these two books. You want Donald S. Passman's Everything You Need to Know About the Music Business. And you want this book called Music Law. Uh, colon, how to handle your band's business. I wrote that down and I went down to the bookstore probably the next day. But what happened was when I went to the front counter and I said, hey, where are these two books? Where can I find mm-hmm. these two books? They sent me to this section I didn't know even existed. What from, was it, sir? I'm from the streets, man. I don't, cats don't read books. These are, right. the, these are the things that led me to reading as, an, as a young adult. And that was this whole shelf of books that had what I would call free game. Right. I mean, maybe not free, maybe from 1995, but you could get it. So when I was at that What section, you could make off that 1995 might as well be free. Donald Passman's book changed my life. It's one of those, it's one of those textbooks. If you didn't guy. have that book back mm-hmm. then, I'll tell you the truth, and you know this, when people would say, oh, I got a label or I'm in the industry mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. I would talk with them and based off what I heard from Donald Passman, I would know if they were worth fucking with. Because I'd be like, this guy's a fucking boots. dummy. That I'm out. made me you know look I mean? so much bigger than I was just for the language it gave Yes, me. the vocabulary, understand. son. And it's Tell like, them about that vocabulary, son. That book I've never done, but I know how it works like major labels operate. Mm-hmm. And this idea that an artist needs a ASCAP, team. BMI. The three different kinds of managers that you get. The different kinds of production deals. Come on. The deals. And then Music Law was a book of nothing but contracts. That's all it was. I never even heard of that one. It was like, so what I got out of there was the sideman agreements and the performance contracts and how to get your copyright release. Because I was buying verses in the beginning of my career from guys like Mac Dre and and different artists in the beginning. And so when I would have them, when I would have them record, I would have them sign a sideman agreement or a outright release of copyright just from that book. And I photocopied it. Right. Like this is before the internet. Standard. Now, by the way, also when I was in that bookshelf of that book section, one book that stood out was what I said I wanted to do. And it said, how to own or how to have your own independent record company. Oh, Boom, my God. That became like, that's the shriveled That's the Bible. Bible. That like, I'm going back yes. to some tax on it. And yeah. So what I didn't realize that book taught me, though, was it taught me how to start a business. It got mm. a, how to get a fictitious business name statement, a business license. I went down to City Hall, and when I got my business license, I'm filling out. Because all I was doing was checking off the checks on this list of how to get a record company. But I'm so ignorant that I don't realize that like when I went into fill out the form and it said are you going to be selling uh, tobacco or alcohol I was right. like I was like Damn, that's all you got to do is like. So if I was selling tobacco, around, like, <laughs> I could I if I wanted to. I would look around at businesses and go. <laughs> it, to me, that was like some magical code I didn't know. Like right. cats like us didn't know how to start a like at store. all. I mean, from scratch, like, for real. And it was like I was already getting ready to graduate high school. Didn't know how to open a bank account. Didn't know how to start a business. Come on, and man. That book taught me how to start businesses. So in 1999, I got my business license. I had just turned 19. My young son was born, and I started my first record company with my with my partner B Town and Mac. And it was called Town Records. We used the Campanile mm-hmm. as the mm-hmm. as the Berkeley mm-hmm. thing, and we started uh, making moves in the music industry as far as with buying equipment and recording and making making songs that house and then very quickly it was sort of like the law of attraction i said out loud man i wish we could just meet some guys and that were rappers and the next thing i know i meet this guy named ba who's in a group called three times crazy mm-hmm. and the rest is kind of history as far as that three I times crazy didn't they do keep month, it on the real yeah inside listen month, right now sneak, B time, three times crazy had ba bart mm-hmm. keep the sneak and ager man and they were a three-man group keep it on the real was their big hit listen um, if huge, you huge have not heard Keep It On The Real, you are slipping. That song for the Bay was so much. 
It was so much. Three Times Crazy was so much. And that's why we do podcasts like this. And that's why I'm so glad that I got you on because <laughs> these are the moments and the memories and the places, right? Because it's, it's not enough to it's just important. talk about the artist. Yes. Where did it happen? And why? Who was yeah. doing it? Absolutely. How was it done? Yep. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And I was, see, Bart was the kind of guy where when I met him, he was like, well, what do you want, what do you want out of this? Okay, well, then I'll get you with that guy. He introduced mm. me to Tone Capone, One Drop Scott. Mm. Producers that taught me how to use the gear that I had bought that I didn't even know how to use. I had bought a Triton and an MPC mm. and all this hardware, and I had it sitting there. I didn't really know how to use it that well. My first keyboard that I ever made a beat on at my house was an ASR-10, and Sonic ASR-10. I spent like $1,100 for it. And then... Very quickly after that, I saw that the Triton was becoming trendy. So we went and spent like $2,200, which me and my partner split at the Guitar Center in El Cerrito. And then shortly after that, I bought the MPC on the exact same kind of Where was the Guitar Center in El Cerrito? Cerrito. I've never been to that one. It was on San Pablo. It was on San Pablo. It's now shut down. Was it by the bar? Um, It's between Del Norte and... uh, Yeah. I'm going to say like so central. Right. You take a left and you go down about, you know, half block after the dirty bookstore and then all that stuff. That little section with the little grimy yeah, hotel. Yeah, yeah. Then one more block up is you can still see the building and tell it's a guitar center. You can look at it and go, oh, that's yeah. Like the one in Berkeley that became the Black Repertoire Theater or whatever. Right, 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 right. right. I've been in there, but I never... Um, I never bought music equipment at that age. So, but so by that time it was Brent. So we ended up... He is giving game. If you know studio. the Bay, like where he's talking mm-hmm. about, this is game. And I'm learning 98, 99. This is when the DAT tapes are turning into Pro Tools files. Right. That was a big I, transition, I man. That was a huge $70 transition. an hour for studio time. And I remember the day I walked into this studio, it was actually over in Milpitas, and the guys were sitting there looking at the magazine ad that had the M-Box, the very first M-Box, and they were saying, it's all over. What was the M-Box? The M-box. I don't even know. So the M-Box is the first home, I mean, because you had an interface, it's the first recording interface that allowed you to have Pro Tools, which is the industry standard for recording in studios, allowed you to have Pro Tools in a home studio for less than $1,000. It was $5.99, which nowadays you can get get an interface for about 50 bucks. But back then, the option to get Pro Tools on your home computer was to get a $1,500 piece of equipment that a lot of kids couldn't, so we would just go pay for studio time. But when that M-Box came out, that was the home, I was there for the That was the pivot. So I remember hearing them say that, and I'm like, oh, well, I need to get me one of those. And so then I went and bought that and, and then we grew from there. I ended up um, putting together a lot of songs in those first couple of years as the turn of the millennium came. And so I did tracks with in that time period with Mac Dre and made friends with Mac Dre, the Jack. It was, that was when I would meet the Jack. I would actually right. meet the Jack about three months after his first, that first album that came out when he was a group in a group called Sebo's Mob Figures. Man. Like Jack came over to my house. When I first met him, they, not to play for me, but they just played yeah, yeah, CD. Yeah. They were like, hey, let's listen to this song that we just did. And you know, it right. wasn't done yet. And it was, hey girl, what's your name? And I remember sitting there going, oh, that song's so dope. I can't wait till it comes out. It didn't come out for like three years. And back then... That's, I didn't hear that song for three years and then it came out and it was like, oh, that's my favorite. Wow. That's my favorite song. I've also seen Rob Lowe working on the beat at earlier at the grill. So right. it's like, I, that's, that'll forever be sort of like the the embodiment of Jack and his sound and that whole thing that, hey, because I watched it, it was his first solo work. They were first talking about him as a solo mm-hmm. album. This isn't the Jack artist. This is the one before that. It was just called the Jack, I think. And so- I was there for all of that beginning stuff and then, you know, like um, years would go by Dre would pass. It was it, I had met Dre and hung out with, had the pleasure of hanging out with Mac Dre. Maybe about five. Tell six me times. about Mac Dre. Now, one second, one second, one second. Sure. You know the thing <laughs> is, is like um, me and my man Deshaun, also at yes. Cage Against. You know what I'm saying? Shout out we Dreamier. Be, yeah, we we be chilling uh, at Dreamier, and anytime we get in a ride, you know. Uh, we listen to hella Mac Dre, especially if we, we have a, a if, if we have a business meeting. <laughs> yep. Like if we have a business meeting, 
Mac Dre. Me and Des there's something about there's something about Dre. Dre that just makes you feel hella motivated to handle business. I don't know what it yeah. is. No shit. I you know, and if you really that. peep, if you really peep about, he's got an energy, dude. He's got an energy. Yeah. He's it's got an energy. It's a vibe. And and the way that he spits his bars make you like. He makes you feel like he's gonna do it, so you'd be like, "Well, if if I listen to Mac Dre and mm-hmm. he could do it, then then mm-hmm. I can do it." Absolutely. You know, you know what Absolutely. I'm saying. But what was it like to work with him? Talk to me about it was like, what it was like to be around him, because like he that is was, that was one of the guys in the beginning that see Keek the Sneak was the first person to ever spit through a microphone that was known mm-hmm. on one of my beats. So that mm-hmm. was a moment where I was kind of like recording him, but I couldn't look over. Because I was like, right, you're like I, was like, I can't oh believe God, this. Right. <laughs> and I could hear it all. And I was like, oh my. Yeah. So I was a fan, is my point, before I worked with him. Matt I think Knight, we all were. You thing. have to be. Well, some stuff, like some guys, I kind of just got told I better get them because they're dope. And so I'm going to mm, be honest. Like, I feel you. You, you, you slowly get, well, we're talking about a matter of weeks, days. You know, it's just right. a couple. This isn't the internet era still. This is like, oh, you haven't heard of this yet? And you kind of right. feel like, so you go and get you're, like you're, you're out. Like, it you feel like you're out. I'm sticking an Eminem. I was just right. like, I'm cool. I'm, yeah. like, so, See, I knew him from the battle scene. That's me so. So that appreciate was, real MCing. You were right. in the game. See me. I hate. I was. Mu- I was much more ignorant in my younger days, and uh, I liked street shit a lot more. I was no, a, but I was that's a, what. That's how the so, bay was. That's yeah. what the bay was. And when I heard, and I was a rapper, and in 98, right. 99, when my name is comes out, and cats will be like, "Oh, you rap like Eminem?" And he's like, like, "No, no not no, like I'm that. Nothing like Eminem. Not like that." <laughs> and no disrespect to Eminem. Right. It took my my partner, who's a brother, like he taught. It took him to take me to. Rap. You ain't listening to Eminem. Oh, pull over to Rasputin. Let's go to Rasputin's right now. now. Let me get you the tape. It was Marshall Mathers. And I'm listening to it, and I'm like, it's cool, but that's... I don't really know how to say it other than to say that's white boy shit. Like, it's it like, wasn't the Bay. It's, it's like, a point, Yeah, bro. so I'm not one of these kind of kids. And so it was like, I could see what... And I lived many places, so I knew what kind of cat he was. Right, right. I'm just saying, and that's okay. I'm nothing wrong but with that. But you were still you and you from the Bay. I was on a different hype. Yeah, we didn't do drugs. We sold drugs. We didn't. We didn't. It was just different. Mm, so I mean, the all the differences don't need. It. And then there's the issue of oh, I rap. Oh, you rap like Eminem. Uh, I'm I'm right. you know, I'm 17. I'm thinking you know I'm the hardest thing walking. So it's right, like, right. You should really just just be bound out of me and fuck that that shit. Right. But anyways, point being is um it's this this changeover era. Dre comes about during this time. So Dre comes home from prison, and I had just got back from Texas, and I was in my teenagers, and cats are like, you never heard of Mac Dre? And I'm like, no, nah, I never heard of Mac Dre. What? And they go and give me the rompelation. Right. This kind of stuff. The so, rompelation. Hold on. Pause that tape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The rompelation. See romp. Listen, if you <laughs> don't understand, Shout out to Kilo Kurt, man, there's there's entertainment, man. My brothers, man. Come on, man. Yeah, absolutely. You know what's crazy? I was always. I told you before before we mm-hmm. started recording. I was mm-hmm. telling him how how um I was really cool with Ray Love, but mm-hmm. you know, like for Rap Pages Magazine, yes, I did Rap a big Pages. piece on Ray Love, Mac Mall. Young Lay and Young Lay <laughs> and Young Lay. Yes, for our, it was a Monday. big. It was it was it was a big black brother young black profile. Brother. Young, young black, black young black brother, young black brother. Y-B-B. Kyrie. YBV Records, big man. Brother. I interviewed Kyrie. The day I met Mac Dre. Daraka. So the day I met Mac Dre, he tells me the story of of Young Black Brother Records. Do tell yes. it now. So it was when. This album, Rapper Gone Bad, had just come out, okay? And so, like I said, my point was is that by the time I actually sat in a room with Mac Dre, I was like, wow, this I'm making a song with my idol. Like, I'm right. making a song with a guy that I'm a huge fan of. Keek the Sneak, I was a fan of, don't get me wrong, but this was like... <gasps> Mac Dre was nev- oh next level God, at that I point. I couldn't look come at him. On, we man. were in this fat studio. I didn't have to touch the boards. I was just like... 
trying not to what? look at him. And right, look like trying not so to I, be too like jocking. Coincidence would have it, it was his 31st birthday. So what? I always, every time his birthday comes around, I always get to remember, oh, this is the anniversary of the day I met him. That's where the, I've got a photo with him. That's where that photo comes from. Crazy. So BA, again, was putting me in touch with people I wanted to be in touch with. And that was one of those moves where he was like, right. oh, you want, you making the, this kind of compilation? Well, you need to have Mac Dre. And he's like, so I was like, hell yeah, I want Mac, Mac. You can get me Mac Dre? Like, for sure. So wow. Mac Dre came out from Vallejo to Milpitas. Wow. And the, Nut and the Range Rover pull up to the studio and he comes up. Yeah. Yeah, gas break dipping <laughs> with, the, with the Cal Berkeley visor on. Like, this is pre-Afro. This, pre this is Come just on, before Dizzy Washington. This is rapper gone bad. The fro is still, the natural still, is still, still coming. Still growing. And he came out like, uh, uh, uh. and so when he bounced out, I had on an iceberg outfit and he walks up to me. He goes, if you guys know what iceberg is. Yes. <laughs> I got, so he comes up and he goes, iceberg down and i went dipped in butter and he went oh he went, you know what that song is because that song was a real tuck song it was on a compilation and now now it's a greatest hits thing so right right it. right but back then it was like uh iceberg down dipped in butter hush come short gonna have to cut her <laughs> slice in his bacon like so dre was dope and it was like oh man, my god it was birthday and so i had brought some i had brought some pills for him and i was like right hey, we had a great time there was connectivity and so we in the back it's like so Oh, oh, here was the thing though. So rapper gone bad. Now that this is all over with, I'll speak on this stuff. I usually don't speak on per people's personal business, but because I know that now this has all been obviously resolved with him and him and his brother, Mag Maul had a bit of a conflict during this time. And he had made a song called Max Stabbers. Mm. And so he was talking about, and it's sort of like as a fan, again, I'm 19 years old. You want to know about that stuff. Yeah. What's going but on? You don't want to ask him in your studio. Right, session, right, I'm right. It's like, I'm not going to ask him, but he brings it up. He starts talking about that. So through that, I learned the history of YBB. That's my break point. it down. He's man. Like, so YBB, man, here's what happens. He says, man, you got to understand something. We had our record deal in place. Everything was good. That's why them fans hated on me so bad. So just for the record, Mac Dre went to prison for not snitching. That's it. That's all he went to jail for. It's conspiracy. His buddies were suspected of, of some being, things. being involved in some different robberies and some different things that he had nothing to do with. But because somebody was willing to say he knew about it and they said, do you know about it? And he said, no. He went to prison for four years. And came home and didn't say a word. And, and so, remember when you when you and your friends are talking about Takashi Six Nine, mm -hmm, exactly. Remember the difference yeah. of um, of honor, right? Because that's my whole thing, bro. Is like we're just you know, street code. If you're gonna pretend that you, if you're gonna pretend that you're gonna be about some criminal shit, we'll just touch on this briefly. We're gonna, well, you know, we, you're gonna pretend that you're gonna be about some criminal shit. Just understand what you're doing because and understand if you pretend to participate in who's snitching who went to pc what any of that stuff know what you're doing you you're participating in organizational criminal activity and if you want to do that then be about that but don't do it for the gram yeah. don't do it for, for i mean Takashi. and when it, when the pressure comes on you gotta to stay silent bro it's like the real ones doing and a lot of guys don't and you just get to feel that like unfortunately my man ba became became involved with some stuff like that mm. and he did he wasn't able to he wasn't able it doesn't appear from the outside i wasn't involved so i don't know but it doesn't appear from the outside he was able to keep his mouth shut and go do his six years mm. and he would have been home from prison about 15 years ago but now his name's ruined but anyways so dre came home and he stood and he stood tall and he was but he was saying man when i got locked up okay Kyrie, they're all losing their mind like what are we gonna do right we right got a record deal right for you mac dre oh, yeah california living not yet california said, living man, give little jamal my name i'm mac dre because i'm andre 
Name He's little Mac Jamal, Maul. Mac Maul. And Mac Maul comes out with that first, uh, what is it, uh, uh, Illegal Business? Yep, okay. Illegal Business. That's actually the music I did know. When I was like, Mac Dre, who's Mac Dre? I was like, I know Mac Maul. Right. He says, no, no, not Mac. So I'm uh, like, I'm listening to commercial rap, and that's Mac Maul was commercial. Right. My name is Young Mac Maul, man, and yep. this is my opinion. Mm. I'm a huge Mac Maul guy. Like, I was writing for 4,080 oh, back then. So when you said that, do you see how I knew exactly yes, what you were but... When you said Ray Love and Maul, yes. I saw the news with Young Lay. Yep. Young Lay ended up yep. hitting the head. You know, I'm man. Like, okay. Is he, did he pass? I don't think he's passed. I don't he ended think up getting so. Getting hit in the head and having some health issues. He, he wasn't able to maintain his career, but he had a classic record that invented the collar pop. In case anybody doesn't know, the collar pop was invented in the video for Mac Maul, Ray Love, and Young Lay. It's called "All About My Fetty." All about my Fetty. Money, Listen, money, money's all I know. Mm. I got no time. And when they in that video, they're doing this. Money. They didn't call it the collar pop. It was like, do that. I'm Mac talking Maul about shit. my Fetty. Mac Maul shit. Ah! That first time, Yo. that's the real original pop collar. The first, and it was because he grabbed his shit like this and was in front of that Bay Bridge like, yep. and we all were like, do that mall shit, do that Mark Mall shit. But do you remember how Tupac directed that one video for Mall? I didn't know that till I saw the documentary. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, see, I knew, I knew, I knew. I watched the, bo- the box. I watched the, the box. box back in. So I just thought Tupac was in some shit just like no, he was in blood. video. No, He was in uh, Spice One yep. video. I, I like, knew that. And I didn't know Pac was moving how he was yes, moving in the bro. Yes, bro. Yes. I watched all the documentaries. I'm and like, I remember, oh my God, I wish I would have. Because I, I came think, in right. I got in the game in 98. I would have known Pac. I know I would I even think, I even think when I went to, when I went to Young Black Brother that day to do the interview, I think Doobie was in there too, but he was brand mm-hmm, new. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, brand, Doobie, like yeah. I don't even think he had Sugar anything, Wolf. but they were Sugar like, Wolf. Sugar Wolf about to be our mm-hmm. new dude, woo, woo. you know what I'm saying? I love that guy. I love that Shout album. out to Kyrie, Daraka, Layla Steinberg from way back. When beats would change and go into bridges and break You don't down understand and... what Kyrie did for the Bay. In fact, Huge I think I said it in that, in that piece that I wrote for Rap Pages, if anybody mm-hmm. has that, find it and holler at Dear a scholar God. for real. Please Good holler at a scholar if you stuff. find that. We're going so scan deep. Scan it. Because, yeah. because I think in that thing I said, if everything goes right, Kyrie should be the new Dre. Yeah. And then- Without a question. Do people don't- and, Okay, you really want to go there? You don't understand the music. 1992. 1992. Let's just really pay attention here. 1992. Songs are coming out by groups like In Too Deep. Um, uh, there's a couple other little RBL Posse. Yeah. Um, my man Selsky actually laced my boots. Years later, Selsky would lace my boots to all these things. So that sound. I think that when Nicotina, when Nicotina, Andre Nicotina first started, Dre Dog. Dre Dog. Nicotina. Thank you. So when that first Chronic album drops, and this new sound called G Funk, well, these West Coast guys, they're they're sampling so much funk and all this weird shit. I'm not saying that it was we're the sole people responsible, but the sound of wah wah guitars. So much bass, of it was based from the yay, man. Lots of funk, because like I said, Oakland is the home of funk. Like people mm-hmm. don't really understand it's the that sound of G funk has a lot of bay ingredients in it so it's really Sly the Family Stone that, 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 Bootsy West, Collins that's why we don't have no problem up here throwing up them W's during that time I throw them right now like, fool exactly that's what I'm saying so it's like we re- it really is a West Coast sound and the Bay it basically that's why we embraced that whole album with 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 readiness anything dog. that has that curl on it that one you know talking about that, 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 <laughs> that, that, that that's the Bay the part that has sounds like a pimp talking that's the Bay when the pimp talk comes on that's the when Snoop D-O-double-G says hey nephew my nizzle, all that is the Bay and he'll tell you that too yeah. and that's okay because he'll come up and, here and, and marinate mad, mad love for Uncle Snoopy you know what I mean so it's like all that kind of shit it's like the Bay to be from here 
And during that time period, mob music, and boy. I don't do the route where it's like, oh, we, we don't get our respect. Man, we get tons of fucking respect. We get respect all the time. No, what we did. Look, when you Drake, know? when Drake is quoting exactly, uh, uh, my man, Forte, right? When Drake is quoting Forte, bro, huh? I got five on have been sampled by five different. Hit, Come on, hit, man, P Diddy, J- Jermaine Dupree. I did the first Shanti. profile. I did the first profile on the Loonies for rap pages. Oh, that's a great one. That's a great. You know what I'm saying? I met Tone Capone, and he he he. I didn't know Tone had made all the stuff that he had made. I yeah. didn't know about Berkeley. Like I didn't know about how how Scott One Drop Scott lived in Berkeley, and like that was a great production crew. Man, to see to meet. No. I so these are the, my golden years. These are the years right. I'm making all these great songs. Get back to the, the history lesson. Yes, so sir. Yes, Dre, sir. Break it down. Dre, you know, I made a couple of tunes. I was blessed to make a couple of tunes with him that would not come out, and then they would end up getting remixed. But when um, I ended up. I ended up stepping back myself for a couple of years. And then during that year, 2004, Mac Dre would pass. And so when I got home. Hold um, on. Let's talk about the passing of Mac okay. Dre. I don't want to get into it super deep. Good. I want to know, you know, um, where were you when you found out about it? And what is your understanding of what happened? Because I, I just don't even know. <laughs> I was wow. in prison when my friend Mac Dre died. Um, I had just shown somebody for the first time my photograph of me and Dre. And uh, I would go to lunch later, and he said, "Hey man, did you hear what happened?" And I was down, I was down in the central part of California, so the radio stations down there hadn't caught it all, and so I was, I was able to call a mutual friend from from uh, Collect that night and get the whole rundown. Mm. My buddy that was just with them in Seattle mm. and gone over to Kansas City. It was real sad because I was actually, it, I was, I, I won't say I was close with Dre. I knew Dre. Dre knew me. We had hung out a few times, but my friend that we, my friend that I was with that day, my partner B Town Mac, they ended up becoming very, very close tight, because tight, they tight. were in the same, right. they were in the same lanes. Right. And so as far as like the wiggles that they would pull, so, um, you know that ism. And so like, um, when when I called town, I called him from from the pen, and uh, he said. Yeah, he's gone, man. He told me the whole little story that Sugar Wolf was in the van and it was like, damn. So it was a real shocker, but at the same time, it was like, it was the first time that I felt one of those, like, damn, they killed the main guy. Like, why the would, main the main guy? And, and of but... course, as you'll, as I would later learn in life, when people pass away, man, and, and this, unfortunately, and as, as they have too many times, my contacts I've lost through friends, family, and contacts I've mm-hmm. lost through, you know, uh, Gun violence. There's really mm. no other way around it. Um, there's been other forms of violence, but essentially, gun violence have taken most of my friends that I could speak of like this. Um, it's never. You talk about honor. Like you think it's like a movie. Like somebody that's supposed to get killed gets killed. It's never that. Nobody Man. that gets killed is ever the guy that you're like, yeah, see, they got him. No, the guy that dies is always the guy that you sit back and you go, damn, why? They, why they kill him? And Dre, as with Jack, was hit unintentionally. Um, Dre was in the back of a van. They were riding back from a show. They were with some Kansas City guys. They didn't really know what the, what, what the different situations right. were. Dre was asleep in the back of a van. And when the guys got up next to him, they shot one shot off of a, out of an AK-47. That rifle bullet went into the side of the van. It hit my friend Mac Dre in his, uh, in his armpit, underneath his armpit. Mm. And he died in his sleep. And then mm. the, cra- the van crashed. Sugar Wolf was driving, I, I believe. Yeah. Not, he was nearby. Uh, yeah. He was in the city. And so like it crashed. They go, you know, everybody's trying to right. get their stuff together, and Dre's not waking up, and then they figure he just it out. bled out. Like, he, he, no, he had died instantly. It hit him in the heart. Mm. Like he had died pretty instantly, very painless, horrible and in his sleep. But it sucks. So to think that it was just like, damn, like that, and he was. I mean, afterwards, almost immediately with the hyphy movement and everything, he spawned even a bigger. Persona. It was unbelievable. But to us, he was the heavyweight champ, and you know, already was, like there's some footage of. A, a, a couple of DVDs off the Trill TV and the, where you can see Jack's there. Us rappers and producers, we're hanging around him. 
were hovering around him. Years later, when I would hang out with Jack, I saw the exact same thing, but it was Jack was the center now. And so when Jack died, it was that epic of just like a loss, like only It was, man. It's like, why did, why does the main guy die? And I'm now, you know, if you believe in a higher power of any tour, any type, you, you got to believe that the reason, you know, is behind most of this stuff. And, I, you know, I, it's it's hard to not look at this stuff now and not think. Well, obviously, God needed to show the rest of us. You know, it's deep too, man. You know, you know whose passing hit me harder than I expected it to, mm. and I never even got to meet him though. It was pretty black. Yeah, yeah, pretty black happened a little bit before that. Yeah, he and was I dope say, though. I really I, thought he was gonna blow. I was waiting. You know, he's one of them guys for me. My experience, my experience is much more about watching my friends react to his death. Right? Like, damn, who must he have been? Yeah. Uh, same. I was just talking to him about uh, about my to my young bull about um about um Nipsey. Like I had met Nipsey. Um, wow. I just watched the footage today of Jack and Nipsey. I've got on my cell phone. Shut uh, up. On the, on the on the stage at at, at uh, New Parish, and it was like man. And I'm not gonna, the one to front. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I was closer with somebody than I was. I, I did not know Nipsey Hussle. Hey, that's right. always important, yeah, right? Like, like, sometimes, because I got I got pictures yeah. with a lot of people. Yeah. Like, Easy, yeah. I was cool with. Mm-hmm. Pac, I was cool I, with. Yeah. Jack, I was cool with. But there's other people, mm-hmm. and they'd be like, yo, man, what do you think about that? I got Mac Dre, and like, like I said. And I'd be would, like, I didn't know him like that. We were cool, but yeah. If I saw him at a club, say, hey, Dre, how you doing? He might remember me, for the most part, no. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if he'd be like, Oh yeah, yeah like, right, oh, and that's yeah. about it, and right? That's so like it was like we worked together enough. I gave him some money on his birthday, but we got right. fucked up, you know. It's like so, like so. Anyway, so but Jack was different. Um, years later, like I said, but so like um, that was much more of a close friend because I had spent weeks, days, you know, years. The last couple of years of Jack's life, I ended up being around him a lot. Taking mm-hmm. he lived around the corner from me in Antioch, and so what? Excuse me. What would happen no is um, from time to time, I'd see him, and he'd see he knew I was in a nondescript car and that I lived near where he wanted to go home most of the time mm. to a home of his that it was in Antioch. So he'd go, you, you in the white car tonight? You going to Antioch? I said, yeah, I'm with you. So that's right. Jack and me through that default right. became very Started close. kicking it. Because we had all, like I said, I've known to do this since, we was, since I was 20. Right. But I had to remind him years later about that coming to my house. Yeah. I was like, so you remember when? He was like, oh yeah. Like he didn't yeah. know that. He didn't remember that. Yeah, so he we was just going around. Based on that right. time right then. What's crazy is when I got home from prison, man, I mean, um, I was I was a street cat before that, and I was making a lot of money. Well, I should say I was displaying a lot of out, outward young wealth, like the way you do. You know, like <laughs> you, you display you display you display jewelry and these things that you believe make you rich. I'm still renting a house, but you know, like it was what like the, you, I thought that that was what would get me in the business. And then when right. I got home and I was humbled up, like you you'll be. Well, if you got to make a decision of what you want to do at that right. point. So I decided I wanted to be free, right? And, stay and, free, and, and stay right? Free. So I ain't never done anything illegal ever since. Right. So like. That being said, when I got home and I got on the hype of being more useful producer, no jewelry, I got glasses on and a button mm-hmm. up, man, I made more friends and more moves in the music industry from that point forward, from 2005 till about, till, till currently, I've made way more moves than those early days I can speak right. of. When I was paying my way, I bought a verse off Jack, that's why he loved me. Because that's what usually how it happens, and now I've seen it happen a bunch of times. You'll buy a verse off somebody, they'll hang out with you, they'll feel your vibe, and if y'all are vibing on the same type stuff, we're from the Bay, you're from the same street. They'll actually mess with you. Oh, okay, yeah, man, so BA ended up living on my couch, that kind of stuff, like right. that, where I gave him a thousand dollars for a verse the first right time. i gave keek a thousand dollars for the first i gave matt dre a thousand dollars for a verse he drove from vallejo to get that on his birthday right but after that he did a few more songs with me for free it's like it because good. of the because right. of the, we saw each other in them streets and you certify once once this that's the mob that's what the mob is all about if people want to know what what this mob shit really is about in the bay it's a very it's a very loose um confederation almost, it's it's almost like it's almost loose like an abstract concept of if you from this shit you do this music, but you also 
survive by a means that might be under the radar, under the, you know, if you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. It's shit you can't really say in the microphones. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's shit that you can't say in the cameras. And that's what it's really, the mob shit is about, that unspoken um, understanding that, well, um, we're not Takashi 6ix9ine around this motherfucker. You know what I'm talking about? Well, this ain't for no pretend game. It's real life. People live, people die, people do life in prison. Mm-hmm. People, people, people get caught up. Mothers cry and rip their wigs out and, 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 and you have to bury your friends and watch their families really get torn to pieces. Man. People take losses that are devastating. So it's real Drugs life. tear it down. Heart attack serious. So we don't carry guns like they're jewelry and we don't do things like this to look cool or to meet to some sort of like image. It's that... We in this mob shit. So when you find out a guy is solid, not to get on tangent, right, right, right. You find out a guy that's is solid, important though. That's I mean, important. Then they conduct themselves because, especially me being the way I am, it's not always guaranteed. It's not always evident when you meet me that mm. like. I, and then usually after one hangout, one meeting, they go, "Oh, okay, he's yeah. he's with the shit. He's really so, in. Like, he's really in it. There's really no way to say it. It's, he's with, right. He's all the way with the activities. And so it's like Jack knew that, and so um, Dre knew that, and. Um, it was just sad. So when he passed, it was sad. But when I got home, I did go to the Crestside was the first place that I had gone to that I had rap connections. Mm-hmm. And I was, I will say, somehow comforted by the fact that when I got to the Crestside with Uncle Miami at that time, who was still free, I met little, I, I met back with little Bruce, who I had mm-hmm. done some music with, but he didn't remember me. Mm-hmm. And I met all the guys that I hadn't met at, because that day that I met Dre, I met Miami and also met Kilo Kurt, who had just returned home from his bid from the same situation uh, with Dre. But he did nine years instead of four. Wow. So Kilo Kurt, when I took a picture and when MySpace came out, I put it up. Kilo Kurt hit me up. I was like, hey, man, can you take that my picture can you take off? take that down, please? Now it's like, it's all good to put that picture Right. Up. But like back in the day, it was like, Kilo Kurt is the head of Thiz. He's the, he's the face of Thiz Entertainment at this yeah. point. That's the bro- that's Mac Dre's definite brother. You know what I mean? So Word. it's like, like that and by that I mean brother in bond, brother in right. business, you know, brother in this. Right. So, so like when I say things like, you know, my uncle Miami is because I feel close to him like that. When I talk about my brother Kurt, that's because I feel close to him like that. And part right. of it is because when I got home from the pen, I went out to the crest side and I hung out with these guys through a mutual friend and they embraced me and they were like, man, I'm glad you back. Glad you did the right thing. I'm glad, you know, all these kinds of things. And we made some music and ended up coming out. And that became my second wave wow. of what would really and what be. what year would have this been? This was 2005, 2006, wow. early 2006, late 2005. And this would be what would really be my establishing legacies in the Bay. If, I have over a hundred and... I think 120 or 130 published records where I've produced, did the beat, where I produced the record. Right, 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 right. Most of those, I want to say, a hundred of those are definitely done post-2005. And it's because of this run that I would go on of providing, or excuse of making myself useful Mm. rather than trying to figure out what I could get from somebody. I decided to be a part of something. I decided to put on a collared shirt instead of wearing jewelry. I decided Mm. to like, be like, Hey man, I'm a producer. I do graphic design. I went and got a college degree. I went and got a bachelor's degree in business during this time. And it was like, I decided I wanted to provide because in hip hop, or in any sort of industry, any sort of creative industry, particularly where there's um, fame or cloud involved entertainment industry. Um, most of us want some shine. I mean, that's normal. That's normal to want to uh, want some attention. Mm-hmm. That's like, a, that's animal kingdom stuff. There's nothing wrong with wanting attention. It's how you go about getting it that sometimes can be problematic. True. But people that go after fame, there's nothing wrong with that. It's that, and if you want to be a part of something big and glamorous and all that, there's nothing, I don't feel there's anything wrong with that too. My issue was I was a rapper. 
I owned the record company. I designed the covers. I did all the beats. I all like, okay, that. at some point, dog, you're going to have to pull back on something and go hard on something else. Don't be a, master, a jack of all trades, master of nothing. You want to be good at what know you your do. Lane and for sure. So with this music stuff, a lot of cats would benefit a great deal if you run in with like five rappers, if four of y'all would figure out what else you can do for the dopest mm. one of y'all. Like the one, that's the one, decide he's the, because that's what happened with Dre. Jack, all these guys had a group around them, if it was their woman, whatever it Whoever. is. Like that was like, okay, I'll be the publicist. Okay, I'll be the manager. Okay, I'll because I'm good at this. I'm going to do this. Right. And those situations are the situations that end up the best. Like Interesting. Everybody point. else is, I, and we all know, and the reason we know this, because we all know guys that can rap their ass off that have not gotten any success. And you wonder why. You're like, man, this fool is so dope. Why didn't he? Because it's a lot more to it than just being a gifted spitter. Word. So, Tell it to those young ones one more like, time, bro. Well, so the team, you hear about this concept of, oh, build a team around you. That's what the fuck it, it's, it's that team, engines. Okay, think about an engine, a car engine. Okay, a car engine has an engine block. It has a starter. It has an alternator. All these parts Pistons. are important. Yeah, like the engine block. If your engine block goes, you're like, oh, you fucked. You ain't going to get nothing. But you know what? That engine block is important. But if that starter, that $200 piece mm -hmm. isn't working, your engine's not working. It's so the starter really is over. just as important as your engine block, as your tires. Each part on a baseball matters, team, bro. basketball team, like having a big man is important. But having good guard players, specialists, like the, the, the pitcher on a team may not ever know how to play catcher in his life. He might not know how to hit. But that motherfucker is an ace on the mound, and you need him to. And, and so you, if you know got, that he's there for you that. You got that man doing his part. You got the man, the first baseman doing his part. The pieces of the engine do their parts effectively with little overlap because the starter can't jump down and do what the alternator does. You know what I mean? The alternator got to be down there alternating. The battery got to do the battery. Like if you as a starter and you're like, man, I want to be a battery, mm -hmm. not gonna work. Figure out what your part in the engine really is, Woo! and then go place yourself in the winning position Woo! of a machine because that's what it is. So. I decided to say, look, man, what do I really do best? I really do these beats the best. Right. Like, that's what everybody wants from me. Right. Nobody's, not, not, not nobody, but I much more was asked for beats than I ever was asked to be featured on something as a rapper. Right. People told me I was good. I'm not saying I was whack. I was actually quite dope. My but, man got bars, <laughs> you know, I actually would, you know, rip some shreds through, through some pieces. But at the same time, like, I had to decide, okay, Let's just be honest, though. What are you better at? You right. Better I'm going to run with that. Way better at beats. And not as many cats can do these yep. as want to rap. So rapping is the first thing that everybody wants to do. Yep. That's what you do when you're five years old. When I heard Easy e I went down to the schoolyard and I started rapping. That's what you do. But as time went on, I, I developed these other skills. And I, I found these other talents that I had for business, for communication, for mm. tech. I, I was always a tech guy. I was always, my dad had an IBM computer at my house when I was like five, six years mm. old. So it's like, I'm an old school computer guy. I understand these things. I got into, I got it. I, I branched out by by basis of need for initially my record company, but then my production company. And then as time would go on, I would be figuring out ways to make money. And it wasn't that we was trying to make millions. It was that I wanted to just get supported doing shit that I love to do. And that's where video editing came into play. Graphic design came into play over time. And through business school, I would learn that I'm actually a marketer by, by talent. Like, the thing when I got, got in a marketing class, I was like, "Oh, this is what this is called." Right, I've already been doing it, but okay. now I, I know. No, I didn't and this know. This is a big that. deal yeah. for hustlers on the block. Mm -hmm. You you might think that you're doing something that that has a lot more demand than you understand because you're keeping it in the hood. And if you took it outside the hood, you could go way farther. Absolutely, and I, so you know, it's like I had that. As much as I could say, you know, I was blessed to understand that. I wish I would have understood the 
the the benefit of really learning how to utilize a squad mm. of cats rather than feeling like I needed to be the smartest guy and in the do room all and do of it, it all, all the time. Do all of it all the could. time. I'd be sitting there and go, I know how to do that. And then I would judge other people based on how good I could do something. And it'd be like, well, let me just do it. No, no, no. You need people to just take care of things, do that. So you can out, whatever it is. even yeah. do your stuff way publicity tighter, right? Is a big one like this, where yeah. it's like, if you can have a person that does publicity, that was me. Put them that in that was lane. Me. That's a winner. That was me. That's a winner. That, that was the PR guy. <laughs> I was the PR that's guy. The and that's a you skill I mean? that's like, that's an art form all unto itself. It is. The ability to be it a is. publicist and a PR person is, an, it's a communication specialist. It really is. And yeah. There's a reason exactly. Why you, say that. you know what I mean? So, so real quick. Mm -hmm. So you connect with Jack. Mm -hmm. You guys are taking these car rides. Y'all yeah. start doing more together. Yeah, it's about 2010, 2011. This mm -hmm. starts. Yeah. Tell me about what was like the last year of your time with Jack alike? What was like the last um, year like? It was it was a blessing, man. It was that right. The last year would be they used, they had this building called the Mob Lab mm -hmm. over there in Union City, and inside I remember the Mob Lab. I never mm -hmm. went. He would call me every time I'd get ready to go oh, over, and then something would always happen, and I didn't go. And either Everybody we would end up meeting afterwards or whatever, but Anybody I never made it, bruh. You'll know. The Mob Lab. When you see Jack on video and there's the graffiti all over the wall, mm -hmm. it's the Jack is graffiti and like mm -hmm. the hustler. And like this studio is a is an office space in Union City in a big old office park. And inside of this building were producers with studios. So you had Rob Lowe had a studio. Mm -hmm. Tracks a million had a studio. Tracks, what's up, brother? Slapping the bandit had a studio. I've been knowing Tracks since he was in high school. Really? I met him here. Yeah. This is where I would meet him. Yeah. I got Rob Lowe I had met before, so I was but it's like these guys are and that's just the downstairs, by the way. Upstairs, you've got Jeff Rowe, who mm -hmm. ended up being raw as fuck. And he's he's in the visual arts game now. He's he stepped it up and gone to the mm -hmm. level ups. But as far as those beginnings of Jeff Rowe mm -hmm. and then uh um, um, um Lee Majors. Lee Majors the other room, he had all the regime guys over there, so yuck and drew down and all those guys are popping up over to the other. So upstairs is cracking. Downstairs has got these three spots in the back. They're playing and dominoes. Wow. And that's where I would meet Selsky, who ended up being, I ended up partnering with him for Chemical Baby Clothing. Yeah. Um, it was a big, big year. So just the year before that, the Mob Lab had just closed down. And so Jack wow. and I ended up partnering more on collaborative ideas through mutual clients. And then my the guy that I started with, P-Town to Mag, it was a blessing. He had been out of town. He's been out of the state for many, many years. Mm. And he calls me and he goes, man, I want to do an album with Jack. We never did this album, man. Like they had, they had been meaning to do an album together for a long time. And uh, so because of B-Town, I end up hanging out with Jack. The, basically, he, he passed in February. Mm -hmm. um, we started working on this. Oh, because B-Town was saying, I want to give, I want to fund the the, the recording time and I want you to go manage because I am i can't be out there until December. So right. for November, October, September, I'm picking up Jack. Hey man, let's go to the studio. B-Town's paying for it. Right. We're going to go. to And so shout out to B-Town for really making that opportunity have for my, the opportunity to get in a, because you can know somebody, but the circumstances don't always dictate that you end up together like that. Word. Me and Jack ended up in studios all night long, just me and him, hanging out, you know, smoking pot, doing what we do, and talking a lot. And so mm. those bonds that get formed over those long Little nights. Conversations, and I've been bro. in like I had been in the grill studios a few times before then, but I had never spent so much time in the grill studios where right. I'd end up hanging out with Lev Burlack, the owner, and we formed a bond. And I formed bond in that last year. We just spoke about my mm. man, Remy Red, who's over in San Leandro. I plan to go see him after this. I met him that year. Jack introduced me and or re-solidified right. me around these little spots based on the idea of what we're doing. The other thing I learned out of that last year from through Jack was the importance of what we were doing. Mm. Um, 
I had gotten married. I had sort of tried to, you know, really been a square and um, I had really been trying to like straighten out. And what happens with this mob shit, especially the music, when it doesn't make you millions of dollars, like we came up in this era, man, where if you were successful in music, that meant you had a yacht. That meant mm-hmm. you had a, like the, the thing, me and Bishop, I know we had it where we started in this thing. The goal was to be successful and yep. success meant a certain yep. something. Look not, and feel. Not that you're, not that you're like only um, 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 materialistic, but it's that, no, I'm going to, I'm going to get on and get yes. on. looks like the big pimping video. Yes. Okay. So that's what I want. So when the big pimping video doesn't happen and you don't get a Rolls Royce and you, and you married and your woman that, you know, like that now my ex-wife, you know, she was a blessing though. Um, at that time you struggle with, you know, I'm 20, I'm getting into my thirties. You struggle with your self identity of what, what, what am I, you know, what am It can feel what, a little emasculating. I, how many times I, basically so what I'm saying is I quit music probably five, six times during this. Like I'm, I'm just, it's, it's not because the music industry changed. I had a record company. Right. My, my business model in the beginning of when I started a record company was make music, put it on CDs, sell the CDs, get money. Um, that shit changed about 2007. Mm-hmm. So 2007. The shift was hard I, too. That was when I went on MySpace and typed my tearful retirement letter like, I'm done. I just, I can't do it no more. I'm sorry. And I was like, so what I learned over those years was, no, I can't stop doing this shit. It's like. Because it's art though. It's still art. It's, it's still me. art. It's not on me. Yeah. I'll make this stuff. It's like bowling or something. It's like like the guy that goes to does bowling league every year. He ain't trying to make it in the major leagues. Right. Ball, but he has to bowl. A guy that likes hunting. A guy that likes jujitsu. A guy that yep. likes. Anything you get into that is a part of your blood. That is a part, of, especially as men. I, I feel this way. Because um, I, I can only speak from a man's perspective. I'm sorry. With uh, you. Like, with you. <laughs> with mean, you. As much as I respect women, I can only speak from a man's perspective. With so you. my perspective is this. Um, when you're a young man and you come up, coming up, maybe it was the era, maybe it was the, the surroundings, but you try to put some meaning on your life. And when you're not sitting on a yacht, it's hard to sit there and go, man, I'm doing I'm going to go out and hang. Hey, baby, I got to go to the studio all night tonight with Jack because Jack says he needs me. Like right. that sparked a lot of conflict in my home. And I, and I, I was caught, I was forced to sit back and evaluate what I really was in this thing. Well, Jack, I took him to a radio interview to mm-hmm. talk about these projects uh, in December, just before just before the year that he passed. And um, so the, in December, mm-hmm. I'm in the radio stations out here in San Francisco, and February he would die. But so I heard him give interviews speaking about what we do. He's like, he was saying, because he was talking about what happened to the world. And he was talking about his, he's like, he goes, fans really don't really deserve what we give them. But I know we got to give you this shit because we're the only place that you can come get that real shit from. Ooh. He says, because- And he wasn't this, lying? Now knowing what I know, to keep it real, like in the past few years, I went on a, a personal journey of my own, so just to this music discovery, and I've learned so much about music history. He's really speaking about the history of American music. Well, um, I, you know, I hate to sound like such an OG, but it really all the way goes all the way back to the blues or what was called race records. And that is, he said it just like this. Jack said it just like the way a cat from back mm-hmm. then would have told you, the best stuff comes from the bottom. Mm. The best art comes from pain. The bet throughout history of art, Real. if you study any art, blues and the, and the circumstances that have led to this rap thing happening, pain are a long branch off of a tree that is rooted in American history. Okay, and that it comes to, from Africa and it comes from Europe, but America is the only place where this stuff got. 
It's going to meet up like okay? that. Because you can go to Africa and you can find roots of hip hop and jazz and blues and all this stuff. You can find these sounds, but without being given a Western structure mm -hmm. to play these things on guitars and stuff, that's where all that stuff. So you got these two things that have come together and it's supposed to be things that don't mix. And it really is an example of American music is the music that the whole world now goes hey, out. Like you know how deep years. that is, bro? Like, like. Uh, I haven't even been to Africa yet, mm -hmm. but uh, I'm gonna be going to Morocco probably this oh, year, nice. and uh, nice. you know I may make it out to Uganda or Rwanda as well. But here's the point, though: like hip hop is huge mm -hmm. all over that it's continent, the biggest, most widely all consumed art form over in the history of mankind. That continent, end of story. Right? We're a part of the most widely consumed art form in the history of mankind more people listen to hip-hop than went and checked out beethoven or any of the come on so art yes. anything. history of mankind art forms have never been consumed on the on the numbers that they've got now hip-hop has surpassed everything as far as the most widely consumed art form and that's why i trip because i'd be like yo man like yeah i'm an african-american mm -hmm. but that's what makes me dope mm -hmm. absolutely right yeah it's like the there, there's 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 hip hop there's hip hop I'm in Nigeria, so but it, but hip hop's from here. Period. Here. Period. Right. They're trying to do anything they're trying to do that's called pop music anywhere else is American music. Japan Ooh. does it. Africa does it. K pop. All of that. All that stuff. If it's not traditional regional music of their own, like China and Chinese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like real, like shit. cultural Arab music. Arabic music. They got their yes. own stuff. But with but anything that's doing pop is doing American music. And right now. That's hip hop, and or there's no, and there's never been a time when yet. whatever the best of American mm -hmm. music was wasn't whatever black and poor teenagers exactly were doing. Right. Exactly right. It comes from the bottom, and you have Jack was on point. If Jack doesn't do that, you never get that real shit. Mm. And he was like, "And bruh, we we have to do it because we're the only place they can get it from. And if we don't do it, they'll never get it. Mm. The bottom, the projects, the the mud." Slavery, mm. okay, the same shit. If Jim you, Crow. The motherfuckers didn't pick up them guitars and bend that and do civil rights, blue notes, all this shit. The pain, the Black Panthers, the, the confluence of circumstances, these big atrocities of pain produced the best, most widely consumed art. And I just feel hella privileged to just be able to figure that out. And mm. Jack started me on this shit the last year. Mm. That's when this my brain started coming into into this understanding. understanding of this kind of thing. We're talking about five years. Is it five years since the man passed? Yes. Year? Okay. So it's like I've now had a half a decade. I've gone through my divorce. I've gone through my own personal. I'm journey. going I through just, my divorce. I just turned forty. Hey man, I just turned 40 yesterday. So figuring out how to be a man in this society today involves a lot of self-love, self-knowledge. And then for I couldn't imagine I'm not an African American for the record. I'm a white man. So it's like I don't, I can't say that I know what it is to be an African American, but I can only imagine that having an understanding. Like the you sat with a lot of the top people in the pain, so though. I have an understanding you know what of it, I'm and having an understanding of self. I've I've basically been in a city, like I said, the black knowledge, the black awareness. I've watched cats say, "Knowledge of self mm. is the key to mm. understanding the whole thing." You know what I mean? Like and speak it's like, on it, and so that that in itself lets me know that rap and hip hop has that little secret key inside of it, and it's like, wow, this is a lot more than just gangster. Because there was a moment there where I kind of felt guilty. My buddy, my buddies were all dying. Okay, like we're getting knocked in the head. Mm -hmm. I, I lost when Jack died that year. I had lost three different people that year directly to headshots, just headshots. Okay, I lost another cat that died, got hit in his heart. Like I lost a pot. We lost a young bull that overdosed on on oxycotton. Like that was my nephew. Like I'm talking about. Like shit happened in that little year that had me thinking. Like damn, I put down rap for a nice good two years, just just figuring myself out, getting a divorce, getting depressed, and then it, and then recently finding maybe, your way back a couple of man. years ago. 
it dawned on me and it dawned, as, as through study because what I did was I started watching music documentaries mm. and it just it, I'm watching history because I hated when I was a kid man I hated when I was a kid and cats would be like that shit ain't nothing but the blues youngster like some OG yeah. would tell you oh, all that shit y'all doing and be like shut the fuck up we don't hear that shit I'm just, you don't know shit about this shit we doing dog we out here man, right now you can find shit that's really like I thought I remember Scratch was some name for I was watching I was watching some like Scratch was a term used in the Bay, used in Berkeley for money yep. Scratch man Scratch, scratch, scratch money. paper okay I'm watching some old James Cagney movie a couple months ago and like hey baby you got that Scratch for me and I was like whoa wow <laughs> Like it come from this shit, the bottom. You want to go deep? All the slang terminology, all the. I'm watching a jazz documentary, okay? And it said, and because a certain something had come up, and young jazz musicians started referring to themselves as man. Yep. Okay. We say, hey, what's up, man? man? Hey, man. You know why? Because they had never been called men. They were being called boys boys all day. That's why they start saying, hey, man. They were reminding each other that I see you as a man. So the idea of a secret code, because that's another thing you learn about, is this code switching, homie. The code switching and speaking truth to power. Okay. This whole secret code speak that I've now been privileged to get let into. It's really important, like in human history and, and in the, the history of love, of life, of, of, of everything, of everything. Everything. And, and it's like, damn, I'm getting goosebumps right now. It's just like, when you realize that part of this shit, I will never, ever, ever again in my life front on the fact that I've been involved in this music mm. and like pretend it's something just because we, because there was a moment where I was like, man, I got 112 songs and they're all about drugs and knocking shit down and killing people. And like, I wanted to make some, something that was different and I did. And I succeeded in some other regions right. or, or as far as production. Right. But it was like, man, you know what though? Because I was guilt, I felt I had a guilt because I was dealing with grief of losing friends mm. violently in a society that never invited them to the table in the first place. Mm. So it's like, it's like I was trying to figure all this shit out of me, and I was dealing with guilt based on a divorce and like thinking I wasn't good enough. And then it was like, nah, bro, you know what? You are a magic man. You got blessed with this mm. gift that God, look at the trajectory of your journey, man. man. It's, it's philosophers that will say that musicians are blessed by God. We are, we are, we are ordained. Speak as, on as that. Priests truth. are okay. The 16th century philosopher William Blake. Okay, do your homework. Google it. Okay, French philosopher, first guy was talking about free love and going against religion and all that kind of stuff. He said, but he did speak about God a lot, and he would say, a man that's been ordained with a gift of talent of providing art to humanity has been ordained for holy communion with the higher with the higher power. Mm. He goes, and that man who takes that talent and buries it in the sand will be followed by despair and anguish the rest of his life, though he only want for natural bread. Peep that part right there. Though he only want for natural bread. For instance, though I went to college and I decided to go try to be a marketer in the dot-com world or whatever because I wanted to feed right. my family with right. natural bread. Right. Despair and anguish would follow me the rest of my days if I would have continued to bury my talent that God gave me in the sand. Oh he didn't give God. you that talent, bro. Just, just so for you, could, you could bounce and just be. He didn't get that to everybody. He didn't get that to everybody. Not everybody knows how to do what we do. Why was that? Why? So I don't know how to dance that good. Some people got to dance. Whatever art form, whatever gift you got given, it was given to you for a reason. And it was not to keep tucked <laughs> and feel bad about later in life. Tell them. You didn't get no yacht. Tell them. You didn't get Cristal. Right. Okay? Because you didn't get to do Because you ain't in the Caribbean for the rest of your that, life, driving that, in circles. That person that you with is not validating your activities or whatever it is. Ooh. Like, what, remember that when you got given a special gift, it was given to you to use. 
These seeds was given to use. You understand what I'm talking about? So that being said, it, it's a beautiful thing. I'm getting all excited and stuff. No, nice. ultimate. You want to talk about the ultimate culmination of world bars, man? Jack, Mac, Dre, Tupac, Easy E. All of them led to cats like me today understanding this at 40 years old. When I see Snoop Dogg talking, mm. I never expected myself to sit back and go, I fucking love that motherfucker Snoop Dogg. Like, I mean, like the way he speaks, I'm so proud of him now. The way he, I wasn't, I'm not going to say I wasn't a fan. I just wasn't like, oh, he's the greatest. None of us like, could see it. And you know what? He couldn't even see it. Down, I think if I'm he like, was being honest, man, yeah, sure. look, you know what I'm saying? When, yeah. when, 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 when the chronic came out, yeah. when, when, when his first solo album came out, you young, know, when LA, death row LA was just rap, yeah. killing everything and the, and the Bay was still riding hard. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dre was killing it. But the Bay? The Bay was riding hard time, in there. You know what I mean? When I hear him and, and Master P is another one when I Yes. When I hear these guys speak, I understand now these dudes survived, first of all. But lived. Like, Just lived. Through their moves, okay? They were all involved in shit that Pac was involved in. See, Pac, I'm sad to say, got involved in a week, maybe a month, maybe a day, where he basically took a left when he should have went right, and he mm. would still be here right now. Okay, that gang bang stuff down in that Los Angeles is no game. Everybody play. plays for keeps. It's not man. a blame game. I'm not saying it's somebody's fault. I'm just saying I know. I know for a fact. See, when I started losing guys, I started really realizing, man, I've done shit like that. Right. Like, like damn, he got killed for that. I've done stuff. I sat on the corner where where Jack died on MacArthur and 94th with him. Many, many. I'm talking about way more than I should have. I was out there with him for hours going. Jack, we need to go, bro. Like, come on, bro. Hey. But because it's Jack, I'm like, okay, well, we'll just hang a little bit. But the rule is, the rule is, man, if you're not from East Oakland, it's fuck if, you, if you're not from that spot, you don't hang out at that spot. Really? Hey, can I can I be honest with and you? And we would wonder why, why is this man real quick, out here so much? Real quick. So, like, you know, when I first got into DJing, it was 1983. Okay. Mm -hmm. So by 1980, mm -hmm. like 587, I'm going to house parties in Hunter's Point. I'm going to Double Rock. I'm going to parks yeah. in East Oakland. Yeah. That like if, if something popped off, like mm -hmm. I would not know where the hell I am or how to get out. Yep. But that's how much I loved hip hop. That's how maniacal. Mm -hmm. That's how obsessed I was mm -hmm. about knowing hip hop. Who is doing it? Mm -hmm. Where? Yeah. What equipment? What is that? It was important. What are you plugging yeah. that into? Like, I needed to know. I'm looking like Urkel before yeah, Urkel. Yeah, for the culture. Like, I was Urkel before Urkel, walking around places where I should have just been clapped on sight, robbed on oh, sight, shit. but I never got, I I never got yoked up. They Flash. never took my stuff. Yeah, I never got stabbed. They never took my jacket. They never, they never said, you Tell can't you. come back here. You. And I have no idea. I have no idea. I've been five foot eight, one fifty five. My, my whole adult life, man. I've been gorgeous as I've been this whole time. I'm you are very, gorgeous. I'm a very. I mean, my man over here just gave it away, saying he was eighty three. I'm like, I was gonna enter chime and go. Damn. By the way, though, motherfuckers looking real good behind that being a DJ in eighty three. I'm not finna date him, boy. Listen, listen. I never would have guessed Bishop was. You know, what I'm saying? man. Listen, as when, when this airs, listen. This is gonna air in the first week of February and I will be 50 on the day. The day God this bless. drops, I will be 50. God bless, man. Man, I mean, but I can't believe that I lived off. through it. All the I can't believe, I don't know. All the oh my God, man. All the situations, all the scenarios that last year with Jack, I was involved in a lot of them scenarios and situations and I remember sitting there saying things like, I, I kind of had a, I guess it was, um, the word is, um, uh, not defeat, uh, it's a, there's, a, there's a term I'm looking for specifically. It's a, uh, it has to deal with death. Mm -hmm. um, it's a uh, it, it, where you're where you're basically you're accepting of death. Uh, um, 
the okay. Stoics use a term called yeah. memento mori, which yeah, just means there's a word. There's a word. Um, there's a word for it. I had a real sort of mm, something something mm, attitude about it. It'll mm. come to me in a little while. Um, it, and so it's uh, it's oh god, it's on the tip of my tongue right now. It means that basically you have you have death on the mind too much. And like I said, I was losing a lot of people. When people mm. start cry, dying, you start realizing, well, okay, my man was on the table. I just buried my man right there, and we went to we bumped our head in kindergarten together. Mm-hmm. So one day I'm going to be in that box too. Mm-hmm. And you start realizing, like, because he was just here yesterday, mm-hmm. he's going to be. Gone. I'm going to be here yesterday one day, and I'll be gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God, I'm so blanking on this word right now. Fatalistic. Fatalistic. Had a very fatalistic attitude. So when Jack would have me out on that corner, you know, because we were waiting on something to happen or we were waiting right. to go over here. And I'm like, Jack, you know, the rule is you ain't supposed to hang out in East Oakland. And then like, like that was, I was taught that as a very young kid going to East Oakland to get weed. You'd be like, okay, go out there, but don't hang out. Right. Get you know? the stuff and one go. one time I got to hang out and my boy came by. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? He said, I was like, man, my boy said, come kick it. And he was like, no, you don't hang no. out. You don't hang out. Cass is coming through here shooting. <laughs> right. Okay, so like, you don't, you don't hang out on the corner where you're not from, especially. And then even if you like, so Jack was was called to that corner because he knows those same rules man he and and it's like that's when you start believing in the higher ups because it's like jack what the fuck are we doing here and i have to say i saw it in his eyes it's like he just for some reason felt felt compelled to hang out with them young brothers on that corner for that year now he had relationships with various people in the neighborhood or whatever mm-hmm. but he, we had relationships with all kind of people so to it's say, the bay from my perspective i can only say man that man was called to that spot for that because it's a very you know, he happened two inches to the left, two inches to the right, man. Jackson, and everything's Jack fine. You feel me? Like, Dude. same thing with Dre. Like, these things, you're talking about a bullet. You ever shot a gun and try to shoot, see where it could go? Just at a shooting range. And the way, and the way recoil spot, works. Far the way that recoil works. Yeah, you try to hit a spot this big. You know, it's it's it, you got to believe in fate. You got to believe in, in, in that there's a purpose for all these things. So, um, unfortunately, that, that day on, on February 2nd, I guess we'll touch on it. I was I looked on the gram that day. I was into my house in Antioch. And I looked at the gram and I saw that corner, the same exact corner we had been on with hella tape on it. And it was from a, a Frisco artist named Foots to Beast. Shout out Foots, 415. So uh, Foots puts up, and who Foots is not from Oakland and doesn't hang right. out over there. And it's this taped up set and it says, pray for my guy, Jack. I'm like, oh my God. Now, immediately I'm like, Jack got hit. You know, cats were getting hit. Like, I'm going to be like, all right. I'm like, man, Jack's fine. There's no way a king, a god can die. There's no way. So I picked the phone up. I called Foots. I said, Foots, bro, what's going on, man? He said, um, man, and Foots has never been a quiet kind of guy, but he was like, right. dog, he knew he's like, he's like, because he knew that was my friend, not necessarily. Right. He admired right. him, but it was, and he'd been with him, but it's not like it was his buddy. Right. So he's like, dog, um, he said, call Misty. He said, Misty's, Misty knows. And so I said, Misty knows what? I'm like, right. And so I called Misty. And for, you got to love Frisco motherfuckers, man. They just give it to you. They, they, they seen it before. And they're like, nah, man, he gone. He said, I heard he got, they said he's, he's out there on the ground. He's gone. He got hit in the head and he's gone. And I was like, what the fuck? Oh yeah. So I, so I start calling people, Selsky, J.O. I start calling people I know close to the family to try to hear if it's like a rumor. And I gave hella people the bad news. That's how soon this mm. had just happened. They're like, what? No. What? And they said, let me call you right back. Mm. So I called J.O. And he's like, I'm on the way to Eden in Castro Valley. They're getting ready to put him in surgery. Now. 94th and MacArthur is East Oakland. Um, if you keep going east or whatever towards, mm. the, towards the next city, there's San Leandro and then there's Castro Valley. Eden is in Castro Valley. But to the, to, the, uh, to the center of the city, if you were to go down towards the center of the city, there's another hospital called Hi- Hi- Highland. Highland, yeah. Highland Hospital is, I guess, world-renowned for their gunshot trauma section. It saved, right. it saved a couple of... B-Town to Mac was supposed to never walk right. again, never live again. He he got saved by Highland. I mean, mm. So he, he walks around with a slit with a slit chest, with a zipper right here, right. you know, like based on Highland's expertise. Right. So when I heard that they had taken him 
to Eden. You were like, of, I made you feel better. I said, no, no. Oh, it was the reverse. It to, was the reverse. How would they take him to Eden? If they went to the wrong he got place. Hit in the head. I'm like, he got hit in the head and they took him to Eden. He's dead. Or he had passed. I knew right. he already. You, he wasn't going to make I it. I knew there was no chance to save him if. But his family, the, his brother that I was talking to at the time said, no, nah, man, they're getting to put him in surgery. So I, I take the car and I, I'm leaving. But, and I'm talking to people and everybody's trying to have the hopes up. But in my heart, I said, man, my brother is gone. I'm getting ready to go hug his family and mm. figure this out. Mm. So when I walked up to the scene of Eden, I drove up to the scene of Eden. And, um, and we, um, so I park and I come in. I got a photo of this too. For some reason, it was so weird, dog. There was, a, there was a list of different things at the door. You know, I was at the elevator. Yeah. And it was like floor one, mob entrance. M-O-B entrance. Wow. No, mob exit. Mob exit? Mob ex now, to this day, I can't really figure out what M-O-B must have stood for in right. the hospital. Maybe somebody in the, in the hospital industry knows what that means. Ambulance? I can't figure right. out M-O-B. Right. Because it was M-O-B exit. And I remember being, I'm a, I'm a symbolic guy. That's right. I'm like, and so as I walked out, I saw, um, I saw Scoot and Ben. I saw Scoot at the hood stars walking away, shaking his head. And he's half crying. I was like, oh, fuck, man, here we go. And I walked up and I could see a big crowd of cats. So, first, like three people I walk up to, what's going on? It's not good. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck it is with it's not good, but that's what about three cats told. It's not good. I'm like, man, running around like a. So, I see Hustler. I'll never forget this. Hus knows this. I see Hus. Much love to Hus. And Hus sitting there like a, like a pure warrior that he is. Yep. Stoic against the wall. I said, I said Hus. I just kind of froze up. I was like, Hus. I Look said, at me. I said, tell me it's a rumor, Cuddy. He said, I love you, Cuddy. He grabbed me. He said, I love you, Cuddy. And it's no rumor. And I was like, I shut away. I was like, because I'm about to cry in front right. of everybody. And it's like, I turn around like, mother. Come on, and man. I was like, God damn it, man. I was like, so then I start crying. And then I hear my nephew, Lil Rue, my artist, Lil Rue, who I had introduced to Jack. Yeah. And I hear him go, ah! Right. Lil Rue's falling to pieces over here. And it was a very, very bad, ugly scene. And um, just with the friends, that was I was there for that impact of all of us, Lee Majors, everybody in the area came down, and we all in different sections. You just people, it was chaos, and it was different people having different thoughts. And um, I, I just remember Hus being stoic, no tears at all. He just knew you know, it was that look and that, mm. that look of just. I mean, and I believe I, I I now understand. You know, when you're a true man of God and you're a religious man, you understand. He would say to grieve is a sin. Mm. Um, that you got to know when 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 he's when he's gone on, he's the spirit has flown on to a good place. Particularly mm. if he's done what he's supposed to do down here, is in accordance with the Islamic faith that they mm. follow. Um, I now understand that. So it's like to know what Hus was at that moment. I understood he was actually a very spiritual man of God. I remember at the time thinking Hus want to kill everything. That's what I thought. Right. I remember thinking Hus is going to kill everybody. Like oh shit. Like, like right. The way he was like, he's just frozen. Yeah. He was sitting there. It was like, and I'm like, bro, it's a rumor, right? Because the way he looked, he said. Ain't no rumor, Cuddy. Come here. And he said, come here. Yeah, like, yeah. He said, come here. Like, what the fuck? Come right, here. Right. He's like, I love you, Cuddy. And I'm like, oh, come on, bro. Like, yeah. Then the mother asked if we, because we were all making a big scene in the front. Mother asked if we all, you know, migrate. And so everybody was migrating to another scene. I could, I said, yeah, I'll see you guys over there. And then I went home. Right. Um, I ended up, it's kind of crazy to say, I had, we had just gotten our booth at the Magic Convention for Chemical Baby Clothing. Mm. And so I actually went to the to the convention for Selsky so Selsky could go to the to the mm. funeral. So I missed the funeral and I was out there with Burner. We and Burner kind of had a little different, uh, right. uh, our own little ceremony for him in Vegas, you know, like yeah. it was a real crazy, it yeah. was a real crazy just yeah. thing that happened. And it's another one that wasn't supposed to get shot at. It wasn't meant for him. Um, you know, people, and another thing that people should really be really careful about when they speak about things like what they may have heard about the circumstances leading to that. The bottom line is, that human being right there, you know what I mean, died from gun violence, from a, a, a hot piece of metal mm. entering through his physical body 
at a rate of speed that didn't allow him to survive. That's mm. really all that needs to kind of be understood besides where it came from, who it came from, why it came from. If you're not in this shit, it's none of your business. I mean, you really shouldn't. Don't let the rumor mill get fan, you killed, homie. If you're a music fan, like you can peep the scene and figure out what you want to figure out if you're from the streets, whatever. But if you're a music fan and you love that man, you shouldn't really be trying to play, you know, Inspector Gadget. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I really feel like that I, I got some people that came up to me and asked me questions and shit that it's just like, bro, I don't know. And if I did, that shit don't fucking matter, man. Well, like, yeah, why, yeah, yeah. why that happened, how that happened, the man's gone. And we need to recognize, you know, and I would say, and give you know, thanks for his give, works, give, give man. Give thanks for the time that I did get to spend with him. That I got to get so close with a guy that I literally knew at the time that he was great. I sat and listened to that song, See It Through with Jack on 94th and MacArthur, me and B-Town Mac. And B-Town looked at him and said, bro, you like Pac out here to these cats. And there was a moment where we all were kind of like, let say it again. There was a moment where it was like, it was like, um, got kind of scared. Like it was December. Because mm -hmm. like, we're listening to See It Through. And See It Through would become a huge record after, mm -hmm. after the past. It was on What Happened to the World. Um, because that does embody what, to me, Jack was about at the end. And the thing that made Jack doper than other rappers that were in that, even Mac Dre that were in that position, um, is his greatness and love for the bottom. His greatness you know, and love for the guy that, like, I have seen him have a, I am seeing Jack break a junior cheeseburger that was this big in three pieces. And say, bro, did you eat tonight? And make sure the two other cats, the two homeless okay. murderers that was with him, got these. You know, what you know what's deep like, though, and I'm gonna tell you yeah. why. I'm gonna tell you why, because the Prophet Muhammad taught that the food for one is enough for two, and then food for two is enough for three. Hmm. So he's following yeah. a prophetic tradition. I would. You understand I what I'm saying? Everything he was. About That's what he end. was doing, man. Everything he was about in the end was about God. Look, man, I took Absolutely. him to Rumi bookstores. No doubt about it. I took him to Rumi bookstore, which is which is um on Peralta in uh Fremont. Mm -hmm. It's in Fremont. Might be Union City, Fremont border. Sometimes I always trip on where I'm at when I go to Rumi bookstore. Rumi bookstore. Guy? That's okay. Don't trip. Me, him and K9 went over there and um we he 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 asked me, he said, What should I buy? I was like, You should get Purification of the Heart, which was a book, a few other things. And then he was juiced and he gave me, he was like, Well, let me buy you something. So I was like, No, you ain't gotta buy me yep. nothing. I'll just yep. use like, exactly No, I gotta buy you exactly, something, I gotta buy you something. So he exactly bought me he bought me some some yep. lectures from Hamza Yusuf. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Okay. So then after that we went to this Muslim spot and we had um some 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 falafel and stuff. I know exactly where I went. I just can't mm -hmm. think of the name right now. Sure. But we go over there. But me, him, K9 went over there. And me and K9 was playing chess. And he was like, all right, next time we hook up, I want you to teach me how to play chess. I was like, cool. Mm -hmm. I'll teach you how to play chess. So, you know, a few months before I had done something, or maybe a year or so, I had done something on him, Beanie Siegel, mm -hmm. and uh, and Freeway, mm -hmm. and they had done a track called- Shout out um, to Beans and Free. They Don't Know. Yeah, absolutely. And he shouted my name out in there, and I didn't even know it. Wow. I didn't even know it. And this is what a G he is. He appreciate never it. said, he appreciate never it. said, because he would, because, and this was before Rumi Books, because he would call me to ask me stuff about Islam randomly. Mm -hmm. You know how many people like, he blah, gave Qurans to? You know, like, Bruh, people, I know. People are like, he get, they gave me my Quran, my first Quran. How many people I saw convert during that time period? You talked yeah. about that last year. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not signed up to any specific religious, religious, word, religious word. practice. But however, I did witness, Little Rue's another one, a lot of young black men that I know for a fact didn't really feel like 
the the Western right or any religion invited yeah. them really and when they was able to to get down on their knees and pray for a reason mm. and you talking about mm. guys that like were dark characters yeah Jack gave a lot of the guys he opened at the doors man to God listen and I'm gonna say to this find God and that's like his greatness that's why I say Jack is the greatest rapper ever dude, to touch the microphone dude. I watched it firsthand dude like not the best I'm talking about the greatest greatness comes with Muhammad Ali is the greatest boxer to ever right. fight he's not undefeated Right. You understand what I'm saying? The greatness comes from a different activity. What you just described, I mean, how many, the book thing specific, you know how many people, you would hear it after he passed, like, he gave me this book. Dude, I know. Spreading knowledge is something Dude. appreciated beyond anything. I know that's a real So story, look, so he, yeah. so, so, so then what happens is somebody hits me and says, oh, I heard Jack gave you a shout out. I'm still working at John O'Connor High School in the mission. I'm like, word? They don't know. I go look it up. Bishop Adi, what he said? No, he said Adisa. He said, he said, there's a picture. If you look up Jacka and Adisa, there's yes. a picture of me, Jack, Beanie, yes. and uh and 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 Freeway. Mm -hmm. And and he says, Me Adisa Beans is in a Triton lobby. We was building on Islam. And I was like, I got goosebumps. You see me? Tell I was me. like, yo. Mm -hmm. That Islam shit. I mean, Yo, stuff, I was like, I was like, he put me in because of Islam, bro. And End what happened is, I do a lot of work in the mm -hmm. juvenile halls. Oh, I do a lot of work in the oh, juvenile man. halls, yeah. and so he was basically making sure when I spoke that the youth heard me yeah. by shouting exactly me out. Right. And he didn't even, wow. he didn't even tell me. He didn't even and when say. when a cat shouts a name out, you, just you know what I'm saying? You know that's a special person. You know what I'm saying? bragging on knowing that person. They you said know? me and so-and-so. Yeah. As if to say, yeah. that's how you know I'm really with this And thing. then he named the picture. And Freeway and Beans and him connected purely on that basis of we pray the same. That was what, I remember Freeway saying, because we all prayed the same. Yep. I was like, damn. Yep. Because okay. I met Freeway after, after Jack's passing. And so it was like, we went down, to, I had Roscoe's Chicken and Waffle with him, me, me, him, and Selsky. And it was like, I had seen the footage. Have you ever seen the interview of Freeway uh, talking about Jack? Yep. Yeah, and yep. he's crying and stuff. And it was like, man, Dude. That, that, that connection Dude. is Jack. And that's what, hanging out those late nights, we're talking about <sighs> concepts, not people. Yeah. Not who did what to yeah. who. Yeah. We're talking about ideas. He man. was a big ancient aliens guy. Dude. He would, he would tell the story in a way and then bring it to Muhammad, how Muhammad man. was involved with the, with the pyramids. He would line it up, bro. Like, he, it was crazy, He would tell you about the pyramids, bro. food of the moon. Yeah. <laughs> and how, why, like, I didn't know, you know what I didn't know before, Jack? I didn't mm. know that the slaves that were taken from the West, from mm, West Africa, mm -hmm. practice Islam. A lot of they them. already had their own religion. A over lot there. of we, them. I acted like, I thought like, like that was some tribal, yep. you know, some shit we didn't understand. No, those were a lot of practicing Muslims. That was the early that Islam. That came here, bro. You know what I mean? That was no, like. No, it's true. Th these structures that existed. This is an old, old so religion like, for these people. And it's like, for, for it's him, like, he pointed out in that way. Yeah, I know. Bro, you know, I know you like with Pac, yeah. me and yeah. Pac connected over black power stuff mm -hmm. yep. his uncle gave yep. me my middle name his uncle really? Geronimo Pratt was the one that gave really? me my middle name okay you understand nice. so like me and Jack we connected oh, so and met through hip hop connection. you know my father went to Merritt with, with Huey P did he really yeah, my dad was, at, was the first graduating class of Merritt my dad was on the Vietnam Day planning committee in wow. the 1960s him and Huey P was marching down Telegraph Avenue to the Oakland Induction Center he would speak my father would say I was watching the, the Panthers documentary mm -hmm. on Netflix my dad walked in and my dad don't talk about nothing he hated right. I was even saying this but so like he's, he comes into my room and he sees me watching the Netflix documentary he goes oh there's my buddies right <laughs> he said right. I, I know those guys and he said like I know that guy and he knew like Ron Dellum he knew all right. was like he's talking about him like he said him and him and Huey were the first first two cats to walk 
at the first graduating class of merit when it went from Old Grove Street in the mm. old days and now Martin Luther King in Berkeley. And they moved from, from Merritt College down there up on the hill. He was the first graduating class. He would say about Huey, he would say, Huey was cool. He said, but the thing about him was one minute he would be saying the most genius, uplifting, mm-hmm. spiritual thing you'd ever, and the next minute he would literally be like planning a city hall bombing. He'd be like, so, <laughs> so the people right. don't understand about right. the Panthers is the Panthers was some mob shit too. It's just like all of us, we trying to find our way in this world, but we not trying to be punks about it we try yeah. to get men and the Panthers was started based on getting people getting youngsters breakfast yeah not on fighting that's the where police. you get wick from you yeah. don't have wick without the Black Panthers not, not on a lot of people don't know that yeah. a lot of people don't know that it was about a program because they had saw an article about how imp- most important meal of the, uh, uh, of the day is breakfast and how kids perform way better so they said come on little young brother young black sister yep. come, on, come get you some breakfast Man, like, and that and turned that's how into you had, so much that was that first you know what I mean and so they, they came to it's in the movie they come to Berkeley with that red book yeah. that's that shit that my dad was doing my dad was the what they would call the anti-war left right when nixon took not to get too crazy with this but when nixon took office his two main adversaries were the black militants and and the anti-war left which yeah. is the white boys so it was like and that's what dr king was about and that's exactly why dr right. king got killed like for that poverty yeah he's dr. for being king anti-war got, for yeah, being exactly, anti-war he switched from a to a bigger perspective yeah and like oh no we got to that's get, enough get, that's enough him. Yeah. You know, Which, by the way, we're not saying nothing, anything than what they said about themselves in, in, in the hearing. Exactly. Where they said the most likely person to, you know, the most likely person guilty was the U.S. government. Of course, I, man. I don't remember which hearing it was. Of but, course. You know, like, no, but I mean, you know, the thing is, is that the JACA, that, yeah. the JACA kept my name alive in the juvenile hall. So that I remember Based going in that. and they was fronting on me and I was like, you know, the JACA shouted me out, right? And it was like. Shut up, fool. Mm-hmm. I was like, hold on, mm-hmm. you two. Boom. Boom. And it was like, me, beans, and decent. We was chilling on Islam. And okay, they was like, they was like, oh. And I was like, now, Where I was like, going over here the, the one over there off of, what's the one in Oakland off? Is it Fairmont? 150th? Yeah. Like, yeah. I've been to 150th. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what I'm yeah. saying. Like, yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say, we so, have yeah. you motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> you don't know what the fuck I'm going through. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, I don't. I can only imagine. Yeah. So they was like, oh, you really knew Jack? They won't let me do any talking in them places. They was like, you really knew Jack? I was like, yes, bro. I'd love to go talk to some of them people. They won't I'm, let me talk I, to I'll people, see if I can man. bring you in, bro. I'll see <laughs> if I can bring you in. Bad luck, I'll tell you why. You know? <laughs> but man, I'm saying, Jack gave yeah. me street credit with people who I hadn't met yet. That's you understand what I'm saying? And it was based on the interaction you had with him. He found that important. You know? Guarantee he met millions of people, bro. Like, for him to do that, he never shouted me out. I done 10 songs with the dude. <laughs> Oh, excuse me. He shouted me out. I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm lying. lying. You got to shout out. Oh, excuse me. He never shouted me out in a verse, though. Wow. Yeah. He 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 said those. He was talking about black those. He put me in the bars. He (laughs) he would be like, those in the beginning. Yes. Right. But I'm saying, (laughs) but I'm saying like, like, I was so grateful for that. And then after we go to Rumi Bookstore, right, he makes a song called Purification of the Heart, which was the book that I chose for him. He said, what oh, book man. should I get? I said, like get that. Yes. And then he made, I mean, dude, Purification of the Heart is a book that was written by African Muslims about the spiritual diseases of the heart and the things that you could do to overcome the diseases like greed, like jealousy, et cetera, et cetera. It was written by multiple people. No, it was written by one dude. African Muslim. Yeah, by African Muslim in, 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 I'm blanking on the country right now, but I'll show it to you. I think I got it on my- Purification of the heart. Purification of the heart, Purification of the heart, thank you. And so it's like, there's a whole lecture series. If you go on YouTube Mm -hmm. and put in Purification of the Heart, one, if you put in Purification of the Song, Jacka, you'll Mm -hmm. find the song, but if you put in Purification of the Heart, book or speech you will find a lecture series on it you can listen to the whole thing Absolutely. the whole thing with a commentary Mando. by Hamza Yusuf Mandatory. and I'm saying like listen to what I'm saying like like 
He put purification of the heart in the hands of the hood, and that's where the hearts are most damaged, bro. Come on, man. And that's why he's a pure pure man of God. Like, that's what the original priests of any religion are supposed to do is go to the bottom. The reason even Jesus Christ worked is because it was the first time. And he didn't hang out with the rich people, bro. Hey, you know that God's for you. You can have him too. Because before that, it was like pagan stuff was like, okay, the the nobles can pray to Zeus and all these people. But but you can only pray to these cats. So Jesus walked through and was like, or Muhammad walked through and said, no, no, God's for everybody, even you, out at the bottom. And it's the same God. Especially you. It's only one God and it's the same one and it's especially for you, the ones at the bottom. Jesus, Jesus didn't have no shoes dog come on man like man, man like, had no shoes. if he had some shoes he was giving them to somebody with no shoes come on man <laughs> and so it's deep man i want to thank you for the coming guy, yeah. on the show absolutely. man we getting you back because you, you got yeah, too much chapter, knowledge too many chapters you got yeah. too much knowledge I, I, we I, can't fit it all I into one show back. i'd love to come back with another guest yeah, yeah man because i can bring you some special guests i got a lot of friends and family you know what i mean yeah. in this business especially i can provide the uh the mob perspective we gotta we gotta we gotta we gotta have more of that man thank you for being on bishop chronicles man i'm really proud and uh yeah i'm thankful for you for being on this show, man. And um, here, man. look, man, at the end of the day, we did this for Jack, man. You no understand? Doubt, no doubt. I seen him one time and I knew I had to have him on Bishop Chronicles. I knew because there was no way that I was going to start Black History Month without reminding you of the importance of the Jacka. And there wasn't any way that I was going to know how close he was to Jack and the things that he's seen and not bring him That's on. It, so I want to thank you That's for it, being man. on the show, man. If that ain't God, what is, man? That's it. So how, how can people get a hold of you if they want to if they want to reach uh, out? Darren Dozier on the gram is probably the best active way to just tap in with me. Yeah. I'm always on there. That is my, my account. I do it. So D-A-R-R-E-N-D-O-S-I-A yeah. at the gram. If you search Darren Dozier on Google, I've got you no don't see a lot. That, that, that's that's good enough. Google, yeah. Google, you can find me. Yeah, and uh, I'm on the gram. I'm on I'm on I'm on other ones too. But the gram yep. is the way to find me. Yep. You can also search on Spotify and YouTube if you want to see some of my some of my um, you know adventures throughout the different things. I got different segments on different yeah. shows and things like that. I've been on a Thizzler many times. I've, and you can catch him on you can catch him on Cage Against with the homie oh my God, Sweet MBA. Cage you know Against has bit me with the bug now of the podcast bug. So I plan on being on basically as many of these things as I can possibly do. Word. I'm, I'm putting together my own my own uh web is, I don't know if to call it a podcast YouTube channel. I'm not because it's visual. And like I'm a not platform sure, of some yeah, sort. Yeah a platform yeah. of some sort. I'm, it's I bought Doja.tv so it's a okay. Doja TV. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to be calling it a web series if I'm going to be calling it you know it's going to be purposed with basically doing exactly what we did here and that yeah. is going over the importance of the things that are important to me self help yeah. we didn't even touch on jujitsu the way we Come should on, man. that's what we really I know that's, that's, yeah, that yeah, fight yeah. last night oh my <laughs> god but an Irish motherfucker did that shit didn't he <laughs> with authority oh my god bro with authority oh my god dog I'm so excited for his next fight I hope it's not Mayweather I hope it's a real fight I hope it's just I would love to see him I would love to see him Fight whoever wins out of Habib and Ferguson. Habib gonna beat his ass again. I mean, no, excuse me. Habib is just too good, and I'm gonna be. But honest. do you think he's gonna get Last, past Tony? Because I, I think he can do it, but I think Tony's dangerous, boy. Yeah, I, can I think Tony's dangerous. So you gotta understand, like when I did. So I'm also a vice president of Conquer Fighting Championships, just for the real quick. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. In my experience, through that, through my my West Bay experience, or excuse me, my East Bay experience, I had the pleasure of going down to AKA many times. Yeah. When uh, back when um um um. Brown Pride was the uh, was the chat was yeah 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 uh, I know I'm I'm looking at his face right now I can see his face Brown Pride you know what I'm saying the heavyweight yeah. champ I walk into the gym they're like hey there goes the heavyweight champ just doing yep. sparring so I've been down there I've seen Khabib since those times right and I've watched him I've had part I've had people that I was doing marketing for mm. working out with him training mm. sparring with him mm. so I've watched Khabib so seeing what he's doing um, nobody's gonna be able to fuck with him I'm just gonna keep it real like until yeah. he loses I won't think he can lose yeah 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 and like I, my whole thing is this first of all I think that. 
Habib is going to beat Tony, but it's going to be, it'll be going to be I'd like to see him tested. I mean, so Khabib had to go. But whoever wins, let's say Habib loses. Let's say he loses, which I doubt will happen. But let's say he loses, Ferguson will still destroy. My problem was I'm such a casual fighter. Like last night, uh, who was it that got on Tony Pettis and just beat him like that jiu-jitsu? And I love Tony Pettis. That's my partner. And it's like, man, you know, it's like once he did that, it's like, oh, he's going to beat him with that jiu-jitsu shit. (laughs) Now I know, now I know it's like if you're Good at jujitsu, dog. Everything changes. And you have wind. You have yeah. good conditioning. If you got cardio and you know what to do on the ground, it's fixing to be That's a long why night. Fuck up with McGregor. Cowboy fucked up with McGregor. Long You're night. Not supposed to stand up with that man. Yeah. Not, people don't want to accept that he's got the bars that he's got, and it's just like, bro, the dude has handels, and Ooh. you just don't want to. You want to get his him on timing the, though. Want that his Nate timing Diaz. is out of control. You need that Nate Diaz game where you can get yes. him around, slap him around a little bit, but get him on the ground and use that jujitsu and tire now, him out. I will say this to say this jujitsu. I don't know exactly. I, I may come out if we do a podcast. I may just be the guy against jujitsu. Do it's it. So boring because I'm pro jujitsu. So exactly, I know that. And as a lifestyle and as a culture, jujitsu is beautiful, right? But, but as a fight game thing, and it sucks because it beats everything. Everything. If you're good at jujitsu, you beat everything. <laughs> but you beat everything exciting. I want to see a fool. I'm from the. I want to see him stand up and get wiggly. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like when you get that toe around the armpit and you go, oh, he's got him out. Like, why? How do you know? Yeah, man. I don't know what a knee means. Down. Oh, he passed guard and all this kind of shit. Like, oh, great. And when that boy jumped on Pettis, Pettis looked like he kind of had. Yeah. You know, they, they, boom, boom. When he started bouncing around on Pettis like that, yeah. it's like, oh, he ain't gonna be able to do shit. He's like, <laughs> like, it's name, over. Gaiera, Gaiera, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Them, get one of them yeah. million names like uh-uh over it's over so I'll say that to say this Khabib while I heard it was a test to get McGregor to the ground if he gets McGregor to the ground it's a wrap and he's Khabib gonna get anybody to the ground that's all they do that, in Dagestan that, that, aka jujitsu is just, just all they do in Dagestan is slam fools and all they do at aka is jujitsu man could tap you know a mean? bear a- dog and hands so whatever <laughs> bro you know what I'm saying a figure four hey, leg lock, man. anybody <laughs> that was wrestling bears as a child can beat your ass and he's a bad man don't I forget mean, I'm that not part I'm not saying he can't be beat but it's just until he's beat, I won't believe anybody can beat him, including McGregor. So Yeah, me like, too, man. That being said, I hope the next McGregor fight is something where it's not... Well, no. Mayweather's an exciting event all in itself. As far as MMA goes, though, <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for what last night meant for MMA. Yep. As far as that that player, McGregor, I am liked McGregor's new attitude adjustment. Yeah, hey, hey, great. But he, great. He, hey, hey. They, they said that boy done stop drinking alcohol. Yeah. How, how, mm-hmm. how, how bad did a Muslim whip your ass mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. sell alcohol mm-hmm. and decide to get sober? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Think hey. about that. Hey. Ah, these Muslims. And, then, and it looked like he found his... <laughs> I'm going to stop drinking, bro. I'm going to act right. his God, too. He got back in touch with his God. He went like this and Hey, dog, I'm going to bring my kids. Oh, I'm sorry. He was at the press conference talking about it. I'm sorry. I apologize. It took the kids in the car. Oh, the kids. The kids now. You you a family man, bro? You were throwing trash cans. Yeah, you was throwing trash cans and and, and, uh, tour buses And what was that? What was that? There wasn't just one fighter on that You was tossing lifts at people, You wanted it with a whole bus full of fighters. He was clearly... Hey, man. Again. Habib has improved him. Habib improved him as a man. It's true. McGregor during those times... Was kind of doing what Tupac was doing at that week that he got knocked down. You get a little wrapped up, and when you see that fight, he saw Tyson. Yeah, he came out. He's like, he was. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've done that. We've all been triggered. I've walked face first into what could have been an ass whooping or death. And Uh so McGregor, it looks like. Made it through the fire, and I'm glad to see him take that and turn that corner yep. with his ego. And if he does get a championship belt again, I'll bet you he's different. Ooh, I I'll guarantee be- it. Because Ali was that way too. You watch 
Cassius Clay speak, he a young buck talking himself up, but he's obviously a little bit not wise. When he got older, he was One, wise, it, yeah. and he was he was a genius. The no, way he, did the, real, the way he got to real, the rope dope was mental genius. Come on, man. It, it was, was strategy, like, boy. But Cassius Clay was just a young buck talking about, I'm going to whoop your ass. End of story, and, yeah. And you can't see me, gorilla, and all that kind of shit. Like, so, um, point being is I love seeing I love seeing an MMA in particular because it happens really quick. It only mm. takes a couple of, a couple of fights to see the, the potential of growth and greatness and, and man because a lot of this fight stuff has to do with you know as as men we get insecure sometimes and so you know we want to have these contests yeah. with one another it's an age-old thing in manhood so once you can conquer that that animal and not feel the need to like when you when somebody steps on your shoe at a club or to just thug like, out that'll help yeah. our community and hip-hop's been hit back we're now all coming to terms with what the 90s that that bravado macho stuff yeah so mcgregor is nice little microcosm of what happens. That man was the, it was the biggest thing in the sport. Yep. And he got caught up in his own little stuff, and he took a spanking, and now, he and now he's back trying to come back and be a new man. All, and it ain't fake, man. It's like no, you that's can all see. I was really happy to see. Hey, man, look yeah. at this motherfucker. Like he's saying the right things, man. And I bet when he talks shit the next time, he's gonna talk shit the right. He ain't gonna. Go It'll like, be entertainment, he but he'll know the, the lines. Way he's way gonna know the lines not to cross. He's gonna respect the lines you don't cross, man. All all day, bro. And that's what I was saying. I was like, bro. Tripping. When the fight happens, you're going to get destroyed because he ain't fighting you for no belt, bro. It's deeper than a belt because you crossed too many Khabib lines. Khabib hurt his own career at the end of that fight just for doing all that stuff he was doing. Like, Man. That'll get a guy wrapped up. And and the point is, is and it's, and I know why, because McGregor was, was doing marketing and what he yeah. was doing was this, this racial... Uh, yeah, you know, the and things the religious that separate stuff. Us. Yeah. And the things that separate us make for good conflict and conflict makes for good marketing, but the things that unify us are what's going to lead us into the next place. And, and you know, the and that's level. what happened to Colby, bro. How we that's what happened to Colby, too. Same Kobe. vibe, right? I was yeah. like, blood, didn't mm -hmm. you just see what happened to yep. McGregor? Why are you going to yep. ride this train? Yep. Bing, bong, boom! Mm -hmm. And you're out. Yeah, big time. You know what I mean? Big time. Yo, yeah, man. Covington, Covington, that's right, we didn't, we didn't touch base. Look, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, look, you gotta come back. You have got to come back. Bishop Chronicles, we out there in Doji, you know what I mean? And we out at West Side. each and every one of y'all. Yep, yep.